This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out. Uh, special guest on, on the line, unexpectedly but pleasantly. It's Mark Stevens All from right. markstevens.net. That's Mark with a C, markstevens.net. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, thanks for having me on, Ian. I appreciate it. Hey. I had uh, Ivy on from uh, Keene. On your show. Yes, this past weekend. Which is the No State Project. Yeah, don't expect right. any favors for that, Mark. <laughs> and uh, I wanted just I don't want to take up too much time on the show. Uh, one of the things we discussed was I was helping Ivy do a habeas corpus petition to get Sam out. Which was, uh, from what I understand, rejected the first one that she filed with the Supreme, or the not the Supreme, but the Superior Court. Just to bring our listeners up to speed, if you just happen to be tuning in, our friend and co-host on this show, uh, documentarian at ObscuredTruth.com, Sam, is still now two weeks uh, sitting in a jail cell because he dared to bring a video camera into the public court lobby, or the lobby of the courtroom at uh, Keene District Court, and they are holding him there basically until he obeys them and gives up his legal name. Uh, they're they're essentially denying him the uh, the right to a speedy trial, and they are just they're doing whatever it is they want to do. It doesn't even matter matter what their own rules say. Apparently, uh, uh, no. They, it, this is just basically a show of force. And like I spoke with Ivy this morning, it's I'm sure the free talkers there. You guys have made quite a name for yourselves, and you know they know you that that you're there, and uh, probably uh, they don't like that too much. No, I'm getting that impression. Yeah, you think, and 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 so uh, what? The, I, I was helping her, and we were going to redo a habeas corpus, and the idea was if we can get more people to sign off on the habeas and do it separately. So if we can get more people filing the habeas, that may help get Sam out. And How at least get interesting! Into a bail hearing. Now, what is what is the process here? Because she's been rejected at the superior court. So this is with the Supreme Court of New Hampshire filing these. Uh, the next one would be there. Yes. Now, can can somebody who hasn't been rejected at the other levels file immediately at the Supreme Court, or do they have to be rejected at the Superior Court level first? They have to be rejected at the Superior Court level first. So I wanted to put some other things in there, make it very, very short, to the point, because I, I like what she put in there. There was too much, and you, you, you want to file it be two, three pages most, and so this way she can file it there, and then a bunch more people who are willing to step forward and help Sam out can download a copy, put their name in it, and file it into the uh, Superior Court. So basically, the additional habeas, the writs of habeas corpus coming in may give them a little more incentive to uh, to take action on it? That's the plan. So, Mark, that, it, are they doing something illegal? Here. Excuse me? Are they doing something illegal? You mean the court? The court. Well, yeah, I would say, obviously, if they're, because, yes, if they're holding somebody who is not uh, been accused of an actual crime, yes. Well, he's been accused of uh, disorderly, disorderly conduct. conduct, resisting arrest, not processing, so they've, they've charged him with three misdemeanors. Well, when, and when you go through the facts, and this one, which you guys I'm sure are acutely aware of, uh, Sam did not resist arrest. No, he didn't. I mean, he, he didn't. He didn't really resist it. I mean, he didn't. Certainly, didn't help them in any way. But, right. uh, but well, that's true. But he didn't actively resist them. But as far as the process goes, until he can have a hearing on that, then those charges will stand. Uh, what What you need to do is is get that habeas corpus hearing, right, to see to have the evidence brought up against him. 
Exactly. It'd get him into court. You had the jailer bring him into court so that be you know the facts can be put on the table and get and, and get him released. Now the question is uh, for the habeas hearing, who would who would be the judge who would hear that? Would it be someone who was involved with the original uh, uh, original problem in the courtroom anyway? No, it should no, it should be a. a it, it, um, I got to remember how how the courts are there. It has to be filed into a higher court right. than the court that it's already in. Well, that, that that changes it slightly. Of course, they're all sort of part of the same little gang, but uh, they, they are. But uh, but nonetheless, Mark, your your strategy should be pretty easy to implement. Uh, considering here in the Keene area of New Hampshire, we have at least you know a dozen people who would likely step forward to put their names on a writ of habeas corpus for, on Sam's behalf. I, I don't see that being a problem at all. So <laughs> dozens. Yeah. Mm. Once once you guys are uh, you know all set with that paperwork, we can put it up over at freekeen.com and have people uh, download, print it out, and or fill it out, print it out, and, and do it. Well, fantastic. So what I'll do is I'll send it to one of you guys, or Ian, I'll send it to you. Okay, perfect. And then you guys can have it posted, and then maybe on one day, or maybe we shouldn't even mess with that, but get as many people as they can on whatever day and just start filing these. Excellent. And it doesn't have to be just people in Keene. Really? Do you have to be in New Hampshire? No, you don't have to be from Keene to do it. But, but do you have to be from New Hampshire? Do you have to be in New Hampshire to do this? I, you know, at this point, I just get them... And, and I'd get them filed and let mm-hmm. the courts decide. Let, let them, them figure it out. Mind. I, I think it's important to show that there's a huge show of support mm. for Sam to get him out of there. Great. And, yes. and, and Mark, quick question. Uh, when I was on last week with the guys, uh, uh, Sam came on, and he happened to mention that one of the guys who's been there has been there for eight months without, without, a, without a trial. And, and to me, that strikes me as shockingly uh, uh, in opposition to the, the uh, fair and speedy trial provision of the Constitution. Right, and just for those who are interested, if uh, there is a provision that they'd have, uh, and most state constitutions have it, and there's a statute, it's typically 150 days from the date of arrest to trial. So that is also another issue for habeas corpus for this particular guy. When did that happen? I mean, is that what the Founding Fathers meant when they said speedy trial? Well, yeah, well, I don't know if they meant 150 days, but that's what it's been determined for at, e- at most local levels to be about 150 days. <laughs> that's a long time. That's t- I mean, that's just incredible to sit there in jail waiting months, for yeah. a bunch of lawyers to get their papers in order in 150 days. Well, there's some, there is some common sense to it because if there's a multiple murder being charged, it's not something you can really prepare a defense for in just a few weeks. One so size fits all, huh? Yeah, but for traffic cases... Uh, and, right. and real quick, this is something that I've wanted to do also if for people who are in jail on drug charges because there's no corpus delecti, there is no standing, there's no actual crime being right. committed, so a habeas is, it would be appropriate there. Well, anything that you do uh, is much appreciated, Mark. Obviously, you are kind of a guru in these areas, certainly knowing a whole lot more about the crazy world of legal land than I think all of us put together here on this uh, the, the panel tonight. Uh, so I'm always happy to help out in whatever way I can. Let's see uh, what we can do to get Sam out of there. Well, I appreciate it, Ian. I will get you the paperwork this week, and I'll have uh, stuff on my website also for anyone who's interested. And I appreciate you posting that, and hopefully we get, we get him out here real soon. Very good. That's Thank you, Mark. And thank you for the call tonight. Good hearing from you. 800-259-9231. So Sam's still behind bars, still on a hunger strike. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little concerned myself. I don't know much about the whole hunger striking thing. 
Uh, but I know that Sam is not the biggest of uh, of men. Right, I mean, he's, 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 he's not have a lot of stored uh, right. energy. Yeah, he's he, got, it's mostly muscle and bone. He's he may be a little larger than me as far as his size is concerned, but not that much. So there's not a lot to uh, to keep him going. Who was the? Do you guys remember uh, way back with the IRA hunger strikes? Uh, it was the, there was one man who went on hunger strike for a long, long time. And uh, maybe maybe some of the listeners will remember it. And, oh, it was I remember just, the, uh, I remember that guy died doing it. I don't remember. Yeah, it was pretty bad. People have died because of it. And, and you know, uh, Sam is so principled uh, that these guys are it's people who are holding him um, just incomparable compared to, to the to the principle of Sam and what they're doing to him. But of course, they've got the power. He's trying to resist, but it, you're right, Ian. It makes me concerned a little bit too. Well, I think that being that hungry is going to distract you. At a, at a certain point. I mean, it'll make I don't, you nuts. Yeah, it'll, it'll make you crazy. Uh, but I, I can't even imagine. For me, it's difficult to go five hours without food. <laughs> Sam has gone now uh, two weeks. Now, he has been drinking milk, I believe, and some carnation the body good. Yeah. instant breakfast. And, of course, the critics are saying, well, that's t- not hardcore enough. You right. know, all the internet critics. <laughs> wow. Fat libertarians Yikes. that, well, not only haven't left their home states to come to the free state, they haven't left their parents' yeah. home yeah. In, order to, in order to hit the free world. I mean, so... This guy dropped everything, and he, he's out here, now he's in jail. And I agree that it would be more powerful if Sam were to, uh, you know, to, to go on a full-fledged hunger strike. Right. However... I, I can also tell you that they don't really, the bureaucrats really don't care whether he's on a hunger strike. It doesn't post, mean anything to them. They'll either release him or force feed him. If, if it gets to a certain point, yeah. and somebody somebody suggested that they may release him more likely than force feeding him, I, I don't, don't know, know I what's disagree. more likely. Depends These on guys the are sick. Right, these guys are sick. And right from what I've observed, the hunger striking has gotten him nothing as far as publicity is concerned. Nothing at all. Yeah, and when he finally, if he does, finally does break on it, then they'll they'll have a win, right? They'll have broken him. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Kicking off another week of fun and excitement. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free. And we include the all kinds of features like the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself, shrine.freetalklive.com. This program is brought to you by SACL CAI. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you need SACL CAI. Not only do they do collections, they also do early out billing and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that uh, in order... Excuse me. They, they also purchase uh, charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. Ziggy's in the U.K. across the pond. Hello, Ziggy. The IRA hunger striker was Bobby Sands. Bobby Sands. Yeah, that's, thank you very much, Ziggy. And, and, and ten others also died. Um, wow. It was, uh, it was an IRA, IRA protest about prison conditions. Wow. So what are you talking about tonight? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> a typical British story here about a guy called Tom Daly, who's a 14-year-old and who represented Britain at the Olympics last year in diving. 
he uh, before he went to the Olympics, he was being bullied at school. Okay. But since Typical. he's returned, the incre- uh, bullying has increased to such an extent that his father's had to pull him out of school. Wow. The the school uh, will not do anything about it, and the local education authority, which governs the school, won't do anything about it. And I have to say, this is typically British. You know, people in this country do not like people who are successful. They will piss on anyone, Mm. you know, who's doing better than they are. Mm. That's sad. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I mean, in in this country, if you if you 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 know, even if you talk about flat rate tax, um, people think you know. You, you know, um, you're some extremist. Oh, they, you, they seem yeah, to think that, you know, the more successful you are, the more you've got to be penalized. From you. You've got to be and penalized. Kind of feel, yeah. The rich people really, are evil. Really uh, the, peanut, you know, punitive. This is, so it's this kind of rich people are evil mentality. But when it comes to somebody who is a uh, an Olympic superstar, they're not necessarily getting rich off of that, uh, are they? I mean, Olympics? No, no I, I mean, of course, um, of course not. You know, I mean, it's only. Team. So it's only the cele- so they're they're even jealous at the celebrity that he has yeah. achieved. Wow. So you know what yeah. I thought you were going to say, Ziggy? I thought you were going to say that the story about this uh, young man was that uh, he was made fun of before he went to the Olympics, and then he came back, and he was a star, and everyone embraced him. But it actually got worse. It's absolutely crazy. It seems yeah, like I I I I, I despair. You know, it, it reminds me of uh, uh, Hamilton Bergeron or the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy concept. For example, when Douglas Adams wrote about how everyone thought it would just it made them feel so much better that if they handicapped uh, uh, cameramen, made them blind, and uh, made, uh, you know, strip singers of their voices, it just seems so much better that yeah, uh, they could I, achieve I something. Out, in the schooling system in this country, ta- talented kids get really bad treatment mm-hmm. because they're always given this lecture that, Oh, you must remember that there are people um, with lesser intelligence, lesser intelligence than than you. Therefore, we must hold you back. They don't, <laughs> and, and they, these kids get disillusioned. You know, they, d- they want to strive forward, and there's no one encouraging them. They're always being told, "You must remember, uh, you know, that other people aren't as intelligent as you." Right, so slow down and dumb down. They should be able to foster their talents to the maximum. Absolutely, Ziggy. Thank you for the call tonight. Uh, And and many of the things that you are concerned about are echoed here in the United States. There is a a commonly found mentality of uh, jealousy and hatred toward people who are wealthier. Then you, then you know, one that, might celeb- be. that celebrity thing, though, in school, I can't imagine that that ha- taking place here in the United States, where where people. That's are... a little unusual, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you know what else? It, it, it strikes me though, uh, if you if you take that mentality that is taught to kids like that in England uh, and in the United States to a certain extent, you know, we're not going to have a, a final result of the soccer match for the kids because the losers might feel bad. That mm. sort of mentality is. It's, it's, it's so it's pernicious, coming. and yeah, and it's been growing with political correctness over the past 10, 15 years or so, but I wonder, you know, as, as Ziggy was talking to us, I said, gee, you know, when you get out into the marketplace, you have a real wake-up call, but you, when you get out in the marketplace also, you then have an incentive to rely and push government even more to mess around with your neighbor in the political sphere, so these kids who are trained in this way 
when they get out, they will immediately turn to government more and more and more. Try to level the playing than, field? Yeah, rather than recognizing the competitive marketplace that they were put at a disadvantage because of the way they were trained, they'll instead turn the other way to the government to try to make things fair and bring everybody down in the competitive marketplace. Well, they do successfully bring everybody down. I mean, they, uh, they, they oppress, they regulate, they tax, and so it's hard to get ahead. And, you know, in a way, I was thinking about this in a way because you can apply this in so many ways. As I was trying to drive over here, I thought, why don't we have privatized roads? I'm stuck as a good driver with rotten drivers. I can go fast. I've got good vision, good peripheral vision, excellent mm-hmm. reflexes, and I'm a great driver. I'm a good driver. I'm, I'm like Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Definitely 20. <laughs> anyway, so I'm a good driver. I don't want to be stuck on this tragedy of the commons where we have commonly owned roads and everybody has to be lowered down to the status of a 90-year-old mother driving a Dodge Aspen with the blinker going for five minutes yeah. as she's on the highway going 20 miles an hour under the speed limit. I would love to have private roads, but the problem is you've already got the existing government roads. Who's got enough uh, capital and enough fiscal incentive to want to invest in creating a competing road to one that's already subsidized by the state? There's there's no real reason for anyone to enter that marketplace. It's too mm-hmm. difficult to compete with the, the government subsidy roads. You know, my, my sister and my niece are heading off to uh, Disney World tomorrow morning around 5 uh, in the morning. Now, those are some nice private roads. You got it, man. You get It's clear. It's clean. You get moved around great. <laughs> it's great. And I just sit there and I compare the value that you get there versus... The lack of value, the, the malfeasance, the ridiculous slow operation of the government system, and oh man, I, we gotta. Where where is our where is our John Galt? I just want to move. You well, know, you mentioned Harrison Bergeron, and I think that it, it bears giving a synopsis of the story. I'm sure Ian sure. hasn't yeah. read it, and probably the vast majority of our audience hasn't. Harrison Bergeron. It's by uh, Kurt Vonnegut. I, I think it's in Welcome to the Monkey House, a okay. collection of sh- short, sh- short stories. I read it in prison. It struck true to me, and it's basically the, the the moral of the story is there's no such thing as fair. Whoever told yeah. you about fair lied to you. You can you can treat people fairly. However, the world doesn't treat people fairly. And essentially, they um, they they took a man who was uh, intelligent and put earmuffs on him, you know, he- headphones on him, and blasted loud noises into his head so he would be as dumb as everybody else because he couldn't think. They attached huge pieces of scrap metal to his arms so that he wouldn't be his his strength. Uh, he, was, he was a big, big, strong man and um, intelligent man, and that way his strength wouldn't be like would, Kane. Be, would be equal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know that, that's exactly. You know what? Kane is Harrison Bergeron. That is yes. We could have him star. That'd be great. He would. He would honestly be great at that. And uh, you know, you they like strap like a. Uh, it wasn't even like efficient weights, um, like modern sandbags. It was, yeah, were like sandbags, sandbags and, yes. and, and scrap metal. Because and, he was like a great dancer, and they didn't want him. They didn't want any of the dancers to be better than any of the other dancers. And as his parents watched, very intelligent parents, they got these drilling sounds into their heads. Turns out he breaks from his uh, from his shackles, starts to dance like a beautiful, beautiful dancer. They come in and shoot him live on the air, and the parents... Is there more to this story? Because hang on. The parents to... get blasted, and they say, what, what did we just see? And that's the end. Come back with more here. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can dial toll-free to bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, even a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com as we continue with your phone calls Jason and Pete are on the line from the Motorhome Diaries, currently in Arizona. Jason <laughs> slash Pete, hello there. How's it going, Ian? Hey, who do we have? Is that Pete? Yep. Yeah, this is Pete. Should we take you off speaker? Uh, the, I, it sounds okay. So, okay, great. So welcome back to the show. It's uh, been a couple, two, three weeks now that you guys have been on the road as part of MotorhomeDiaries.com, launching originally from our very own Keene, New Hampshire, and driving first all the way over to the West Coast, now getting ready to head back or heading back to the East Coast. Uh, what are some highlights from the last week, guys? Well, uh, since we last spoke with you, we uh, we had stops in Vegas, and we were out in L.A. for a while, and, and Adam's also sitting here with us now, too. But uh, in Vegas, we met a lot of great people, and uh, we had a little run-in on the strip one, one night with uh, with some cops who were just walking by. We saw some, some what looked like a guy getting arrested, bent over a squad car, so we pulled out the cameras, you know, just to hold people accountable. And it turns, and then the, the guy who was being pushed over the car got up and shook the officer's hand, and, you know, we're like, what's going on here? And it turned out it's a, a program that Las Vegas Metropolitan Police have to try to build community relations with the public so they have officers on the street, you know, basically to just try to try to act as good uh, officers and build rapport, but uh, fortunately, Adam and uh, Jason, it, it was a it was a photo op with all these uh, Vegas tourists uh, that would roll into town, and so you know they want to have a good time and show everybody how wild they were, and so these cops would pose with them, uh, have them bent over the uh, squad uh. car, pose for a photo, and the guy would shake their hand and walk off, and then the next people would come up. So, so uh, that's weird. Yeah, it was so weird. You know, you guys, you held that you held that cop's feet to the fire, and people can go to motorhomediaries.com to see the video footage. But I thought almost like you know, you guys were making the point that uh, well, couldn't you be doing something like investigating murders or something like that? Aren't there any real crimes to investigate? I think you guys were right on with your points, but I guess I'd rather have a cop uh, doing photo ops than arresting people for marijuana possession. Yeah, pick your poison, I guess. Here's what I don't like: I don't like for people to celebrate the police state by like. Hey, you know, look at me uh, posing as if I'm a criminal. Good point. Uh, you know, Jason, yeah, I got to agree up. with you on that one. It bo- it bothers me. I mean, that that basically, uh, you know, here here's a picture of me having fun with the cops. You know, getting arrested. Grow, grow to accept this, friends and family, because this is the way. This is the way of the future. It's not that big of a deal when people get bent over mm. cop cars and arrested. Yeah, I suppose from their, from from the citizens' perspective, so often they look at these cops as well. You know, they're going out every night and they're risking their lives for us, for our safety. When of course it's not really for their safety. The cops can't be everywhere. They're not a deterrent. Right. Uh, and in fact, the only way the cops can be funded is through force, through extorting it from innocent people, whether they want to pay or not. It is an extortion racket. It's a gangster protection racket. And those people are shaking the hands of people who are being paid. Whether people want to pay him or not, right? Exactly. And so, yeah, we we wanted to expose that a little bit before the guy knew a camera was on him. He he said, uh, "I can do whatever I want." Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> Typical cop well, attitude. It's, it's honest, honestly not too far from the truth. Right, and then and then after we left, we had a lot of fun in Vegas and met with some people associated with the uh, Anarchy Cafe there, and uh, some Free Talk Live listeners as well. Uh, one of them who wants to move his family up to New Hampshire soon, but. Uh, 
Great. Next, we rolled, in, we rolled in the forts in Orange County. We had a great meet up there, thanks to the folks at Freedom Communications and uh, FreedomPolitics.com. And uh, one of the guys who you know was waiting curbside when we pulled up was a was this awesome guy named Adam with MarijuanaMuscle.com, and you know he was super friendly, just a hardcore guy. He says he, he had a Free Talk Live hat on, awesome. and he said, you know, he's just like super on board. He says out there in LA, he doesn't have a lot of people to, to talk to about this stuff. So he he said once he gets his finances in order, he's moving up. So. Uh, yeah, come on out. I mean, this is the place to be. If you love liberty, you love freedom, and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere where you currently are, you need to be in New Hampshire, surrounded by like-minded liberty activists. I saw that interview as well. I've been a, I've been a subscriber to uh, the Motorhome Diaries YouTube channel, and I found that inter- interview really interesting because uh, he's marketing this product that's, I guess, marijuana or hemp-based protein shakes. I know, Mark, you're into the you know the weightlifting stuff, and well, um, I wish I was more into well, it. Well, <laughs> you've been into it in the past, and Pete certainly is today. And uh, and listening to you guys go back and forth and how he was talking about how in his experience in martial arts, for instance, uh, some of the best people that he know that he knew within that sport were marijuana users. And he would say that some of the people that he would train with would say would tell him that they would they would train while on marijuana, basically, and that it that it helped enhance their ability to uh, to do that particular sport. I found that particularly interesting, especially in. uh, And you guys also, of course, mentioned Michael Phelps and a couple of other yeah. famous sports superstars that have been uh, excoriated uh, in the press for using marijuana, but yet it didn't affect, or either it didn't affect them at all, or it helped them in a, a positive way. Well, he said that, uh, you know, while um, engaging in martial arts with these people, the people that were on top of their game were using pot. Sometimes they were using pot while they were kicking his butt. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, after his research, you know, he, uh, he uh, you know, decided... Well, maybe what everybody's saying about marijuana isn't true. You know, maybe it's not that bad for you. And he came with this product, and um, it's, 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 it's entrepreneurial. It's, uh, it's activism all wrapped up in one. And so he's, he's uh, going to try to move to New Hampshire, and so he's one of us. That's so great. people have been reaching out to you. I know when we had you guys on the show here in the studio, you'd asked for our listeners to reach out to you as you were traveling across the country and you know, let you guys know what's happening, where they are, and why they should come and, and meet up in whatever area they happen to live. And that has been happening, and and uh, you've met a lot of interesting people so far. A lot of uh, video has been uh, taken. You've posted it on your YouTube channel. You're now coming back across the country, and your website says it's uh, going to be a more leisurely pace this time, so you're going to be making a whole lot of stops. Is that Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's gonna. It's, we're calling the uh, Route Three Southern style, so it's gonna be a, a little bit more laid back. Because since you saw us in, in Keene, New Hampshire, we had to rocket across the state because we had to be um, at the Atlas Liberty Forum in Los Angeles. Now we're able to, uh, you know, set our itinerary, and so you know, we have about a dozen stops: Phoenix, Tucson, Albuquerque, Tennessee, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, Nashville, Birmingham, and then Auburn, Alabama. Uh, that, that's going to be our southern swing through America. If any of your listeners are in those places or want to entice us to come uh, somewhere else in the South, uh, you contact us, motorhomediaries.com. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be meeting with a lot of good people there. How far out are you uh, from Tucson at the moment? Well, we are like 30 minutes outside of Phoenix right now. So uh, I'm not exactly sure how uh, where Tucson is, but... Uh, it's uh, April 30th. We'll be uh, rolling in there. Okay, cool. Well, the reason I ask is uh, somebody had asked me recently how you guys have been doing at contacting local media, and I said, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from them. I don't know if they have been or if they've been ignored. What's been going on with that? Have you guys gotten any interest, any, or have you been contacting local uh, papers, radio stations, stuff like that? Yeah, like, like Jason said, on the way out to L.A., we had to really shoot across the state, so we, uh, we didn't really weren't able to do that 
uh, too much. But now, especially with Adam on board, he's kind of been our point person. And uh, just coming into Phoenix, he, he uh, contacted a dozen or so media outlets. Or hopefully some stood from that. But our buddy uh, Paul, who runs the Rio Grande Foundation over in Albuquerque, he already he, he uh, mentioned us coming in on the uh, examiner today up there. And uh, we're going to be on his radio show cool. uh, this Saturday morning. So basically, we're, we're going to reach out to as much media as we can and, uh, and go from there. In Austin, we're going to be... Um, with some folks from Liberty Cafe as well. So. Cool. Well, I happen to know a couple of the uh, the program directors at the talk stations in Tucson are pretty big fans of Free Talk Live, though we're not on yet in that marketplace. I'd say odds are good we're going to be on soon, so I'm going to reach out to them and let them know you're coming, and maybe one of them will set you up with their morning show host or something like that. You never know. So keep reaching out to, uh, to the stations as you approach them. You might find that a lot of them are interested in talking to you. And one more thing before we let you guys go. Uh, how can people help you with this? How can they put some gas in your tank? How can, how can they, they entice you to come idea. see them? Well, yeah. All of the above. I appreciate that. I mean, uh, Ian, you were the first one to uh, donate. Mark helped us out a lot while we were in Keene. But, uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, gas is, of course, our big, biggest expense after we paid for the RV. And so far, we haven't had to pay for it ourselves because That's great. Uh, people, people seem to like what we're doing. And uh, so... On our website, if uh, there's a button on there that says "Keep Us Rolling," click on that. Uh, you know, if, if they like what, if they if they like what we do, and they want to you know give us a few bucks for some yeah, money. Uh, and there are also links on there to contact you guys and get in touch with you and say hi and invite you to your uh, to their area if or to your area rather if they happen to be passing through. Thanks, guys, for the call tonight. Keep up the good work out there. Stay safe on the roads and all that. MotorhomeDiaries.com is their website. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, your show. You dial in toll free. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. If you like that and you want to help us out, go to amp.freetalklive.com, get on board, and get perks like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. As we continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want, it is David in Ohio. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Hi. Hey, David, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I want to talk about how you can promote liberty by brewing alcohol. It's a good combination if you can pull it off. The liberty people sure as hell love drinking alcohol, so I imagine yeah. that would be a good idea. What What do you got? Go ahead. Well, when you buy any alcohol product, that supplier is licensed by the BATF, fingerprinted, and so forth. And so you're kind of helping to empower that agency. Plus, there's a federal tax on every alcohol you buy, and most likely a state tax. Mm-hmm. So you're helping to fund them. Mm. Now, if you brew your own beer... You just buy the ingredients. There's no licensing from the ATF, and you wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Unless you want to sell it, right? Correct. I'm okay. talking about. Yeah, there are some rules you have to abide by. If you want to follow the law, you can't distill it. You can't sell it. You know, you'll get in trouble. Assuming you get caught. How does I say? Assuming you get caught. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you could. Uh, d- you, you're not supposed to dis- You know, distill, make your own liquor, but. I mean, who's going <laughs> to 
<laughs> what are they going to do if you do, really? I mean, well, that yeah. that's yeah, a, that'd be a federal crime, wouldn't it? If they catch you. I mean, uh, come on. Catching somebody. St- somebody could snitch you out. Uh, the, the likelihood the, 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 the likelihood of you getting caught is slim. And if you decided to take it somewhere, Ian, you're, you're very, very likely to, uh, to get the public on your side. No, you know, I mean, come on. This is more for if you just like to, you know, you like to have a beer at home and you're going to the grocery store and buying it, or wine, or also mead, which is fermented honey, a very nice uh, drink, if I say so. Um, Could you you make some uh, beer and then give it to people in return for donations? Um, Like, hey, thanks for your donation to my college fund. Here's some beer. Yeah, if you really want to share, you could voluntarily give it to a friend and say, you know, I, a friend says, I really appreciate what you give me here. Let me let me give you something in return voluntarily. You don't really necessarily ask for it, but if you have friends who like to exchange favors. Right. What if you sold a pencil to someone for uh, 20, uh, you know, $20 and gave them a free six-pack or a 12-pack uh, Special deal. I, as a bonus? I don't Barter know, exchanges I don't... Are, uh, are taxable under the IRS, and I would think you would then have to report that. If you're looking for some kind of out, you, you really don't have it. <laughs> Fact is, if you want to distill your alcohol, distill your alcohol, and, uh, you know, I hope you take it to trial, and I hope you jam it down the Fed's throats, because the fact is, it's an, it's an impingement on people's freedom. Uh, but if you want to dance and, and have a good old time, you know, dancing around the law, they will stick something right in you, because, you know, they don't dance around the law, they do what they want. Mm. Look what happened to the Liberty Dollar. I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, again, you brew for yourself, you enjoy yep. your own beers, not as a commercial enterprise. That's a whole new, whole different ball of wax. If you just like to consume it and maybe have a party where, you know, you have a bunch of brews out there. And, you know, it saves you money even without the, even if it was taxed, it still saves you money. And, and another thing just to point out is, is in most states, there is no taxes on food. So when you buy it, you're just buying grapes or, or uh, grains or honey. Mm. So you pretty much pay not a single penny of taxes on that, even at the state level. When so you, you can fly yourself. completely under the radar, basically, as yep. far as yep. your and, costs are concerned. Yeah. And, and the one teacher... last thing to kind of point out, if you're under the age of 21, let's just say there's there's no law against having a big glass bottle and an airlock and yeast and grains and water. Do you, do you know if these places <laughs> that uh, have the facilities, in case you don't have them in your own house, uh, these places that allow you to come in and make wine or make yeah, soda that, or make beer, do they have when, to pay some sort of special tax to the BATF, this sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, what happens then is is since the product, the final product you take home is beer, they are selling you beer by the law. So that right. is not a pro-liberty way to go about doing right, it. Right. And but it, it's, it, there's all it's, kinds of kits out there that it, it, these these are not. This is not a big commitment. You're talking about no, a five-gallon bucket. That's my um, point. Out. I, you know, I did this. I thought it would be really hard. It's actually extremely easy, especially mead. Like I said, it's fermented honey. Yeah. You just put honey and water in a one-gallon jar and let it sit for six months. That's all it takes. Beer is a little more complicated. Wine is a little more, but it's still pretty easy. I can get five gallons done in about two hours. Wow. Oh, wine's not complicated if you don't care what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, if you we used to make it in prison in a week. Oh, but I'm not a wine. <laughs> just, I can't uh, drink this stuff now. In it, there's some good YouTube videos. You can you know Google up homebrew wine, homebrew meat or, or beer. Some good websites and a really good book. I'd plug, uh, No Conflict of Interest, I just like the book, it was called The Complete Joy of Homebrewing by Charlie Pop, uh, Papatian. 
Mm. Uh, very good reference. It's recommended by most of the homebrew forums. Good Isn't, stuff. There's some kid out there like Mr. Beer or something uh, like no, that. No, don't get Mr. Beer. Okay, <laughs> he knows. Uh, you know, I, this reminds me of a very interesting thing that I saw in one of Michael Palin's Around the World in 80 Days shows. Uh, you know, the documentary things he did, Pole to Pole and uh, Full Circle and things like that. And he was in Africa somewhere, and they have this poisonous root that uh, you you can't eat, but they would... They would ch- they would skim the poisonous stuff off the outside, chew up the interior of the root, and then spit it into in, in case you know you're in straits and you can't make your own beer uh, and you don't have a bucket. They'd spit it into a hole that they dug into the ground, <laughs> and then they would add. They would just keep everybody from the village would spit into this hole. And Michael wow. Palin's watching them spit and spit and spit. I mean, not to give the nasty imagery, but it's a fascinating. Oh, one. it's you'll, already worked. Yeah. You'll take it with you after the show. It's wonderful imagery. Spitting and spitting and spitting until there's like two gallons worth of spit and root in this thing and then they uh-huh. cover it over and it ferments <laughs> and later they pull out this wooden ladle and they've got another one they've already got ready and they give it to him in a cup and he's got to drink it how did, wow. the, how did that happen how did they, how did they figure that out how what what, what steps know. of evolution occurred where they came up with the poisonous root in a whole yeah and it, it makes this alcohol beverage. this yeah i don't know but i guess it's very very strong the alcohol <laughs> kills all the germs altered and- states or just trial and error <laughs> One of the How other. people die in this. Hey, David, uh, thank you for the suggestions tonight. Any other thoughts? Yeah, just, uh, I guess, one last thing. If anyone's interested, um, you know, like I said, it's pretty easy. The parts doesn't really take much space. And if you, uh, I like to use a five-gallon bucket, but if you want to go cheap, you can go to flea markets and find a five- or six-gallon glass jar like people toss coins in. I found one for six bucks at a flea market. Uh, you know, you go to the hardware store, buy some rubber tubes for a couple bucks, so... If you really, really work at it, you could get a whole setup for under $15. Well, wait a second. Um, you say that uh, the, the getting a glass bottle for 6 bucks is somehow cheaper than a 5-gallon bucket. I would. Oh. I, I mean, 5-gallon buckets are cheap. Yeah, well, and you have to be careful. You need a food-grade 5-gallon bucket, So, and you want to make sure you buy a new one because if the bucket has any scratches on the inside, it's very difficult to sanitize. Mm-hmm. So if you buy used, odds are it's not going to be usable for brewing because it'll probably be scratched up. Okay. Yeah, and then the, you don't want then, something then that's been used for chemicals or something like that. So you can't just like use the one you get from Home Depot, the orange one? Uh, you really want to make sure sh- – you have to kind of make a risk there because if it's not rated for food grade, some of the plastic might leach in. Like the chemicals spend really the money to do it right. Brew. Sounds that yeah, way. Spend the money to do it right. Yeah, what, yeah. What are, what's a good website you can go to learn more about this? Uh, honestly, that, that book was – and what was the book again? I did, that's how I learned. I don't. I just googled random websites. The book again really was what? Online. Joy of Joy of the, what? The, the joy complete of, joy of homebrew. Can you get that at Amazon.freetalklive.com? I'm sure you can. There Excellent. You go. Thank you, David. Appreciate the call tonight. Coming up, we'll tell you how to grow mushrooms. No, I'm kidding. I really don't know how, but it seems like a nice little how-to night here. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything as we go to Todd in Michigan on the amp line. Hello, Todd. Hey, Ian, guys, what's up? What's on your mind, Todd? Hey, um, just before I go into my thing here, uh, Guard, it's been a while I haven't talked to you, man. Hey, man. And uh, we need to talk more often. But anyway, um, I just want to bring up about the swine flu brouhaha that's been going on for the last five days. Yeah. Yeah, what is all this uh, about, Todd? I honestly don't know. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Oh, okay. Okay, basically, it's this type of flu that is very contagious. That most flus are, aren't they? Well, contagious? yeah, but they're, they're they're but they're saying that it basically originated from swines, like pigs, 
At least that's my understanding of, of, of the whole flu. And they're making. I heard Michael like Savage said it was all the illegal immigrants' fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, <laughs> not that I care what he thinks. From, well, they, 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 they're they're claiming that it, that um, this supposedly came from Mexico, the strain, and there were about a number of, of people who basically passed away who died from this. Um, we're talking like over a few hundred deaths in Mexico, and now they're saying, well, there's been about at least uh, 27 cases in Florida. Yeah, it's all the way up to New York City or something like that. We're going to have Gardner, uh, who's been digging in deep to this. He knows everything about it, apparently. So we're going to have him uh, explain it here in a moment. Thanks, Todd, for the call tonight, bringing that up. Thanks, uh, I think we might have touched on it anyway here, but you never know. So the best way to bring something up or make sure something gets discussed on this show is to call in and talk about it. 800-259-9231. More on the flu. It's Free Talk Live. These are challenging times. Inflation, job security, political and financial uncertainty affect us all. Now more than ever, it's important to review your life insurance needs should something happen to you. Experts agree. Most families should have life insurance protection of 10 times their income. The great news is life insurance rates have never been this low. When you call Termco, Gil Edwards will tell you how affordable term life insurance can be. Gil specializes in saving people money on top-rated term life insurance. Find out if you're paying too much or if you don't have enough. Ask about the new return of premium plans, which return your entire premium back to you after 20 or 30 years, tax-free, guaranteed. Your family's protected either way. Get the best coverage with Termco at the lowest possible rate. Call Termco for a free no-obligation quote. Call 800-493-7712. 800-493-7712. That's 800-493-7712. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com is the website. As we continue taking your phone calls about whatever's on your mind, let's start things out with uh, Eric in Texas. So we've got to get and in, jump into the swine flu thing here in moments. In fact, I believe that's why he's calling. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Evening, guys. Yes, sir. Hey. It's on your mind. So, uh, you know, they're, first of all, everybody's freaking out over this swine flu thing, which I think is hilarious. Uh, I think it's a bunch of, as Mark said, FUD. Uh, Fear, and I, uncertainty, I, and doubt? Absolutely. And uh, I listened to this week's episode of This Week in Tech, which is a fairly liberal-leaning show, but it's mainly about tech, so I can stand it. Uh, but they actually had a scientist on uh, talking about it. Uh, and it was great because even at one point, uh, one of the panelists mentioned, you know, this is just VC uh, posturing for more funding. Uh, so I was glad to see they called them out on it. Uh, but, they, you know, they were, you were able to glean a lot of other useful information. But one of the things I wanted to point out uh, that they mentioned was if you look at just the numbers, there's like 40,000 people die in the U.S. from car accidents every year. Yeah. So – if you if you aggregate that out by day, less people have died from this than will die on America's roads today. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I mentioned to Ian and Mark when I came in. I I wrote about thirteen pages on this thing today over the course of about an hour and a half as I prepared for my podcast over at my website, and I was getting everything together. It took me four hours to do this podcast because I went and you know you, you have all these different strains of thought which are uh, starting on on what you say. You know, you're getting the government involved with something. How many other things are more dangerous? Uh, and and people are so alarmist about this. Uh, and then there are so many other aspects of this story that that deserve some sort of attention. Uh, as you said, CDC vying for more money, uh, the assumption that somehow even even people who used to subscribe to the idea that uh, government is acceptable if it's a government to protect people from other people, they sign on to this thing, this concept that the government should be involved in trying to stop viruses from spreading from one person <laughs> to another. Uh, I know how you can take care of this whole virus problem. You just shoot all the people. There you go. Then the uh, viruses won't have anything to get transferred in, and there will be no more illness. <laughs> well, well, you know, pays taxes judge then. death. Wait, one of the things the, sentence, the, the the crime is life. The sentence is death. I, I tried to go in descending order based on those people who are the small government people in the constitutionalists and so on, and say, okay, look, very clearly. This is not something that's constitutionally sanctioned. It's not an Article One. It's not an Article Two. This you mean the CDC? A, yeah, the CDC, uh, the Homeland Security czar, who's down there giving people advice. Wash your hands. Oh, thank you, genius. <laughs> uh, you know, even under their rationale for this, the the things that the government is doing are not acceptable. I mean, the Homeland Security czar. I thought that person was there to try to stop. Terrorism. Now they're there to stop forest fires in California, mm. to stop uh, flooding in New Orleans, and to stop ice and snow in, in New Hampshire in the wintertime, and uh, to stop uh, microbiological viruses from entering people's bloodstreams and making them ill. Anything, uh, any threat that's invisible, the government loves. Yes, because and they it, can make up whatever and they, they want it about up. It. And and there there are so many factors involved here. You've got the the media, and the media have a tendency to be able to only focus on the central authority. It makes it very easy for them to get their jobs done. We go to the authority, well, and then that gins people up to look to the authority themselves as don't the forget, audience. Don't forget that media, um, especially newspaper media, the old media, really uh, is is built on fear entirely. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I I remember a map. It's been probably two years ago. Sells Papers where they were where they mm-hmm. were showing you know mudslides here fires there hurricanes Destruction. here I mean they just showed yeah. a map of the United States with death descending on it really you know just mm-hmm. different kinds of death you know this this part was on fire this part was sliding into the ocean right, yeah. I mean it's they love that crap yeah they do they do so so the, the the politicians feed off it at the same time the reporters feed off the politicians it's a my I scratch your back you scratch my thing mm-hmm. in the meantime the audience is at a disadvantage now because they're their um, their view is only channeled. It's focused on what is presented on the pop media, and it's being blown out of proportion. Exactly. As Eric points out, I mean, no, as many people as that have died as the of the swine flu died today in car accidents. Great yeah. perspective today, Eric. Any other thoughts? Yeah, just one other thought. Um, the the best thing you can do to pre- pre- um, protect yourself from such a outbreak as this, or even you know, you go back to the 1918 Spanish flu. Uh, is the, the people who are safest are the people who live a normal, uh, sub, you know, perfect, healthy lifestyle. You know, the people who, you know, most of the time they wash their hands when they go to the bathroom, but, you know, every now and then they forget or whatever because they expose themselves to germs and stuff like that. Uh, they've done studies that kids who, who pick their nose and eat their boogers, as gross as it is, 
they get sick a, on an order of magnitude less than kids who don't. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, because well, they, there's a new habit they, you need to pick up. Yeah. Now. Why, why is that, Eric? Because they expose themselves to these germs, the, the bacteria. Uh, on, on a viral level, it, it's not, there's not so much you can do to protect yourself, uh, which in this case it is a virus. But the people who, who expose themselves to, the, to those unhealthy things, uh, whether knowingly or not, uh, they, they build up their immune system. And that's why during the 1918 Spanish flu, the older people uh, generally didn't get sick, or if they did get sick, they recovered after a few days, whereas the younger people who had no immune system were devastated by it. So the people uh, that live their lives like a worried soccer mom, always, you know, washing their hands obsessively, compulsively to that point, uh, and are just trying to live in a super squeaky clean environment, are actually most likely to contract uh, things like this? Absolutely, yeah. And you're now, less likely it, if you enjoy delicious boogers. <laughs> <laughs> you learn something new every night here on Free Talk Live. Great call tonight, Eric. Thank you. 800-259-9231. Maybe somebody should market a product. Oh, Save you from the swine flu. Just uh, eat I wanna, these. I want to take a bath. I would just love to see mm-hmm. Janet Napolitano getting up, and as part of her next instructional uh, booklet or video or something for this, uh, you know, actually give a demonstration on how to pick your nose <laughs> and eat it. That'd be great. Oh my goodness! So Gardner, what's know, the Newsmax really wants to fire that lady, Janet Napolitano? <laughs> have you have you see, I've, I've been uh, somehow or another I got on their little uh, probably during the Ron Paul. Oh thing, yeah, yeah, they they on, want her gone. Big yeah, time. for yeah. some reason or another, and it's I guess it's because it's not that she's working for Newsmax. What you mean is that they want her fired from the the U.S. government. Yes, yes. they want to fire her yes. from the U.S. government because I guess she took that uh, Missouri thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where they're calling you know essentially libertarians, uh, t- terrorists, domestic right. terrorists. She took that and brought it to another level inside the government or something. I don't right. know exactly. Returning soldiers and things like that. Yeah. That so, Garden, you've been following this swine flu thing. What exactly is is going on? I mean, well, I have to admit, I'm completely you know, out of the Ian, loop. I, I just feel so vindicated that my hobby has now come to pass. I've just been watching the swine flu for so long. I love it. It's just great. On my weekends, you know, I go out with the guys and like, Guard, man, you got to stop talking about the swine flu. I'm like, isn't come on. The, isn't the swine flu what AIDS was back in the early 80s? Yeah, well, you know, in, in a short period of time. It, this is the second time that a flu like this has appeared. It's a combination of there the There was a human, bird flu before. Yeah, well, the bird flu thing never never trans, translated into a human flu. You know, that's where I used to play surfing bird all the time on my mm-hmm. show. Yep. That was fun because uh, I get to play the trash man, so it's awesome. So, But anyway, uh, uh, there has been a swine flu before back in the, the – just it was like 1918. It was mentioned early, 1910, something like that. And uh, it wiped out a lot of people, and um, so it's, it can be dangerous. Uh, it was a different type of swine flu. This swine flu, uh, you know, because I am such an expert on swine flus, uh, this, one, this one has a very, very rich bouquet. It's wonderful. You sniff it. It's, it's great. Uh, it's human, avian, and swine put together. So it's sort of like... Okay. Yeah. It's, it's actually the viruses that affect... Um, human, yes, avian, exactly, you know, exactly. humans, birds, and pigs. Right, right. It's so, like a Milky Way of viruses. Mm-mm, good. So, but viruses are always going to uh, mutate. And, yeah. yeah. So, so here's the deal. This this virus uh, is not as dangerous as some viruses. It's more dangerous than others. Uh, it's generally not lethal if you are a healthy person. Uh, if you are immune compromised, it can be dangerous. And the government is using this as a rationale to gin up fear uh, and pat itself on the back for protecting people when it is not. And those are the key elements to learn from 
that government is not the entity to which you want to turn to it's protect not you. Save you. Yeah, they might put you in a camp somewhere um, and tell you that they're trying to save you, but more coming up. We'll uh, get into it here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You dial toll-free, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Termco Life Insurance Agency, protecting your family against financial loss due to an untimely death. Call 800-493-7712 for Termco Life Insurance Agency. That's 1-800-493-7712. As we continue here, uh, Gardner telling us, Filling us in on this uh, swine flu situation as he wraps a mask yes. over his face like yes. Michael Jackson. People at um, home can see. Very important. If they're uh, at the, the cam, they can see that. Absolutely. People watching at home on the cam. Uh, yeah, so the swine flu, very exciting stuff. And I think you can derive a lot of lessons about this. Uh, this is the sort of thing that even many so-called conservatives just assume, well, you've got to have government. This is what it's for. This is exactly what it's for. It's like, I. Uh, First of all, if you're a constitutionalist, and I'm not, I would I just want to mention the Constitution. I didn't sign it. It doesn't protect my freedoms. It's a piece of paper that I realized a while ago yeah. is, uh, is 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 under it's under attack. It would be nice if they got back to a constitutional government, but I would go further and get rid of government entirely. But for those people who are constitutionalists, uh, what are you people thinking? It is certainly not the role of the federal government to be involved in any way in anything other than the defense of the the United States against aggression from foreign aggressors. Uh, well, the, the flu is foreign. Uh, it's aggressive. Uh, yeah, see, they can make up see, these rationales. Easy. What if it were terrorists that were it's carrying so these pathogens? To, well, it's so easy to find the, the, the loopholes, right, that you mm-hmm. need to, well, general welfare. I mean, yep, yep, absolutely right. They do all, the, all sorts of things. Interstate Commerce Clause, General Welfare Clause, exactly what you say. There's nothing in there in the executive branch. There's nothing in there in the legislative branch that gives them the power to try to stop diseases, to try to stop fires. So what if, right. even if there were, we've seen what government does. Exactly. We That's, know how good it is at uh, responding to emergency situations. Precisely. They right. can't even handle an, a hurricane. It's an on-off uh, switch with these guys. They either become totalitarian and take over and, and do everything you know, by, by eliminating people's freedoms, put Look people what, in their homes, lock them up, or they don't do anything sufficiently, but they still tell you they're protecting you. Right. And anybody that counts on the government, whether it's the federal, local, state governments, to, to save them in some dire situation is going to be sorely disappointed and hopefully will live through the process. I mean, look at what happened after Hurricane Katrina, where they just rounded people up and poured them all into the, was it the, the Houston Superdome or Astrodome or something like that, or the New Orleans Superdome? Well, it was the Superdome at, uh, in New Orleans. New Orleans, but then they trucked some people out to Houston later, I think, and they just they just put a whole bunch of people together in the same place. What are they going to do if there's some kind of outbreak? That's right. I mean, because that's not going to be somewhere you want to be right. if there's, and, an, and if there's the, an outbreak. You hit it exactly right. And, you know, to make the analogy, you remember how we were talking about the roads before, how I was all ticked off and I was driving over here because the roads are commonly owned and you have the bad people in there and the good people as well. Yeah. Uh, what they have done here is they've taken your personal liberty when it comes to your health and decisions as to how much risk you want to take. Do you want to be around sick people, healthy people, or whatever? And they have put it within a tragedy of the common situation where uh, either... You're going to have no freedoms 
or you're going to have some freedoms, but you'll be they'll be pretending you're protect they're protecting you. And the question is, uh, which is better at responding to these problems? Uh, government, which stores up drugs, keeps them off the market, keeps the price of the drugs higher, restricts the the ability of companies to be able to make flu vaccines mm-hmm. to five companies only, which have political favoritism involved. Wow. They make the wrong sorts of flu vaccines. In the meantime, we're out here saying, hey, why don't you, why don't you trust us to take care of our own lives? They have the ability to breach the Constitution. The, the, if the Congress were to impose or the federal government were to impose some sort of quarantine, that's an infringement on the assembly or the right to peaceably assembly under the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So that's unconstitutional. Uh, the movement to uh, buy up these drugs, unconstitutional. But on, on the side beyond the Constitution, what you're saying has great resonance. People should recognize that you can't have a safe life. But the best way to be able to come up with hedges against risk is to allow you to measure the risk. And government will not allow you to measure what the risk is. They gin up fears. They tell you this is this. They have their own incentives to bring their own money into the CDC. They take the 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 the, the, the uh, materials off the market. Uh, they can break into your home at any time. They can quarantine you. They can not only prevent you from leaving your house, but prevent other people from taking the there. risk of coming to see you. Yeah. Uh, this is all. You cannot have individual liberty and government involvement. In trying to stop diseases, the two cannot coexist. They're, they're, it's, it's impossible. It's scary. It's it's scary to think about what the state's response to some sort of outbreak might possibly be. And I understand somebody's going to be out there saying, "Well, wait a minute, guys, you can't just let these people run uh, willy nilly into the population. They're dangerous. They're uh, they're communicating uh, communicating disease to people." I mean, Mark Gardner, are you advocating that these folks just be able to just run free and well, spread this disease? Is, this is how we take the next step. It's the same thing as the analogy to the roads, where you say, "Well, you just can't l- allow." the craziest, most reckless drivers out on the roadways. Well, you know, the problem is that those people are having their tax money taken to build those roads as well. Uh, even when you have uh, toll systems, you still are subsidizing the toll systems with all sorts of gas taxes. Those taxes are indirectly passed on to people buying food, even if they're just you know walking to and from to and from the supermarket. So you've created this situation with the roadways where you are allowing some people that I wouldn't want on my roads, really crappy drivers who still you know get their licenses and the cops can't stop all the bad drivers. Mm-hmm. They're out on the roads, whereas. In this situation, if they if they make this tragedy of the commons for your health and the risks you're going to take, they will decide who can come out and who can't. And it's it's an on-off thing. You're going to have, or it's just going to be a mix of all sorts of craziness. You've got the government saying, well, we're not going to allow these people out, but we are going to allow these people out. So, for Well, you'll example, be allowed out as long as you test, uh, test yeah, clean. Yeah, so if you, had private, now. if you had a private society, if you had a Disney World, Disney World can set its own parameters. Do you want to have a lot of safety? Do you want to not have safety? You voluntarily sign on. If you don't like that, you don't have to go into that society. You don't have to go into that community. If you don't want to have a test the minute you walk in, a blood test or something like that, then you don't have to deal with those people if it's too stringent. In the government, you don't have these types of choices. You you get a one-size-fits-all policy. So when I'm on the roads, I've got to drive with crappy drivers. When I'm out in the public... I've got to deal with government rules about what is healthy and what's not healthy, the risks that I will have to accept. 
Now, look, I'm with you, Gardner. I think that uh, it's all. I think that life is to some extent about taking risks. The more risks you take, the greater the reward, the reward can be. Yeah. You can get through life without taking any significant risks, and you might not have any really great rewards as a result of that. Uh, but are you saying that somebody who's got the swine flu? Or some other communicable disease should be able to just walk around. And I mean, look, 7-Eleven is not going to be able to afford to have some guy standing at the front door testing people, uh, every single customer that comes in. Or are they? Well, I mean, you know, how realistic is that? There would be various incentives, I think. I think it would depend on what their profit threshold was and what the clientele demanded. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if there if I were a guy uh, dealing diamonds, let's say, and I knew that there was a really sick family, but I could make a million dollar profit. Rather than a ten dollar profit visiting that house, I might take my chances. So I, I should be able to one. I should be the one who calculates that. And if you're afraid of running into somebody with the flu, then you should stay in your house, right? And you should be the one wear the little mask, the people uh, that you come know, near keep you. Keep the little hand lotion stuff. <laughs> 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, features including the bulletin board system. We've got over 450,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, from serious issues to fun stuff. You find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com. As we continue taking your phone calls, Gene, the Christian anarchist on the line in Tennessee. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live. Greetings. Hey, it's on your I mind. I have, uh, uh, before I go into global warming, I wanted to talk to you guys about some uh, legal work, like adventures in legal land kind of stuff. Um, there's been uh, groups that have done the common law and the habeas corpus and uh, all that stuff for quite a while, actually, probably ever since uh, they actually paid attention to common law in this country. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a group that I've been a member of for almost 10 years, I guess. It's one of the Yahoo groups. So if you go to groups.yahoo.com and you search for the one that's called Law Works One, and that's the digit one, you know, the, the number one. So Law Works One. And in that group, they have all kinds of resources and stuff. You do have to be a member of the group. You, you can't just uh, it's not open to anybody, but it's easy to become a member if you say that you have an interest in studying uh, common law. And okay, so using, what what tactics are these people using? They use basically the same tactics: uh, the uh, filing the filing of the habeas corpus and requiring them to uh, you know to show that you've uh, committed an actual uh, malum prohibitive type of law rather than a malum in se. Or, uh, you mean a you crime know, that involves a victim versus one that does not, or one that's just simply a yeah. crime against the legislature or whatever? Correct. And and they've had mixed results like every one of these other groups because, as we all know, the courts don't really pay a lot of attention to rules. Anyway. Correct. <laughs> but if, you, if you're lucky enough to find a court that will actually hear these things, it's an excellent resource of material, so I highly recommend them to anybody that 
that wants to go that route. And like I say, I've been a member of that group for almost 10 years, and I've seen them go through uh, quite a bit of uh, quite a few struggles. And uh, they do stay away from the straw man argument, which uh, I believe is a bunch of bunk. And so that's the they, capital but, uh, letters thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the reason I think it's spunk is because it doesn't follow uh, contract law. Contract law requires a knowing, uh, it requires that you understand your agreement and you agree to it. Well, obviously, nobody could understand that agreement, so therefore it's void. Um, back to global warming, which we talked about a couple nights ago, and I mentioned at the time that how I thought it's a bunch of baloney because these scientists, ever since I was young, have changed their story multiple times about whether we're going into an ice age or a global warming or mm-hmm. and then they said we were running out of oil and now we're swimming in the stuff right aren't the on, same so. scientists uh, the ones that said that or some of the same scientists the ones that said there was going to be an ice age now they're saying the earth is warming i mean why absolutely. can't they get their story straight absolutely and uh, i'm i just want to point out a new little tidbit i came up with and it's on bry mm-hmm. uh that website and if you look for air pollution helps plants, just do a search for air pollution helps plants. Hmm. So here we've got a new study by some scientists, you know, that say that uh, through photosynthesis that uh, the air pollution is actually helping the plants to blunt the climate uh, change. So now they're saying that, uh, yes, uh, we're going through climate change and uh, it's all our fault, yada, 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 which is a bunch of baloney in my uh, in the in, in my opinion, uh, but there, this study says that our air pollution is actually helping the situation. So huh. here you've got pointy heads on one side of the argument, and you've got pointy heads on the other side of the argument, and they've all got basically the same data. The data doesn't change. You can read the numbers and stick them in a spreadsheet. Yeah. It's how you crunch the numbers and what kind of uh, uh, variables you input into that because it's not the numbers that change it's the variables that they put in there the uh, the projections are based on variables and nobody knows what these variables are so people are plugging in whatever variable they think is going to give them the outcome they want right and you know and exactly right the, the the you know we were reading an article uh, i guess it was uh, friday night dennis and i about you know the, the 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 solution to all the this whole global warming things, of course, is ethanol, or you know that's what they thought a couple of years ago, and then it turns out that this corn, um, in you know some some lo- some uh, way in the production increases nitrous oxide, which is three hundred times more dangerous to you know, of a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So in fact, they've actually made the problem worse by ma- uh, legislating ethanol rather than uh, making it better. And then there were scientists that were for this, and the fact is, you know, even if you you claim that uh, you know science is a good idea you know it's it's a good idea to go with what the scientists say the scientists can be wrong even if they you know look at the you know, it's their interpretation well, of the data well scientists disagree i mean you keep grouping scientists together like they are all of one voice and that's not true it's true that they aren't but i would say that the 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 vast majority of them out there are going for this uh, global warming thing right now the ones that are in on that whether field whether or not they're a member of the uh the higher learning cartel called universities. Of yes. course, the higher learning cartel, uh, they take their marching orders from their bosses. So well, yeah, are they getting gonna... a grant from the government? And if so, then well, they, their yeah. results might be a little tainted. Yeah, all of the universities get money from the government. Yeah, so, science in uh, universities has become completely politicized over the past 25 to 30 years. My sister went to the Harvard School of Public Health, and there's no possible way you could get a grant 
unless you were doing something that the government approved of and wanted as part of its agenda. And, you know, it's rife all the way down. I did a podcast a little while ago about uh, global warming, which they're now calling climate change because they yeah. can't say the globe was warming anymore. So they're using new terminology, just dancing around uh, as the as the treadmill gets faster and faster for them. Because, of course, the climate is going to change. Well, they're going to be right about that. Yeah, as well, though the Earth's climate has never changed exactly. before. I mean, and, and so, yeah, and my niece has this project they're working on in science and social studies, of course, all the way down in seventh grade so uh these things you know they they say uh do an experiment on this or how does climate change affect you so i pulled out the politically incorrect guide to global warming and other eco myths by uh chris horner of the uh, competitive enterprise institute got a lot of great information in there uh, i recommended a bunch of books to her teacher and you know i said to my niece this is incumbent on you now now that you mm-hmm. know this stuff unfortunately you've got some pressure on you because even though you could mention it in a paper if you're in class, you're going to be one of the few people who knows this. The other be kids are giving. Well, the teacher might give her a bad grade or something, but these other kids are being given faulty information. Mm-hmm. She has a burden now to try to correct that for these other kids. To her own risk. Because yeah, if she gets bad grades or the kids uh, are essentially trained to believe what the teacher says and not what she says, they, her own classmates could turn against her. Yeah. What I like to do is I like to try and analyze everything using this little pea that God gave me between my ears called a brain. And I look at the size of the planet, and I look at the size of the atmosphere, and I look at the, the amount of pollution we're putting out. And I realize when I run those numbers through my puny little brain that there's no way in hell that what we put out could possibly make a dent in this atmosphere. I don't care what those scientists say. When you look at the, the volume of, of stuff that we're putting out, you compare it to the volume of the atmosphere, you're talking about point zero 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 something percent. And there's no way that that kind of a change in the atmosphere would ever affect this planet. Thanks, Gene, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Didn't he basically say the same thing on Saturday night? It, well, it's, it's, it's a good it's, point. It's an important issue, I, yeah. mean, I must say. Toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, I have to. I have to say, I I'm not too concerned. I'm, I I I like what Gene has to say about that. And of course, you can point out that the Earth's climate has been changing for a long time. Uh, that uh, Greenland used to be green, and uh, you can just go right. on down the, the list. The idea of, that somehow or another the government, whether it's uh, the United States government or some other country's government or one world socialist uh, go- government, is to provide you with a static world that doesn't change. I mean, that's crazy. This, to some that's extent, yeah. that is that is exactly what people have the expectation of. They they expect things not to change and whether it's that's at, stupid whether it's at an environmental level or it's at a town level where some people don't like the color of the new mexican yep. restaurant you in can, town we have a historic district of course you can't change things here right the colors in new england have always been brown and gray quit this quit it with this yellow stuff that's one of the things we're dealing with here so it's again it's all about keeping things the same and it's madness to believe that everything's going to stay the same we're coming up this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live, your show. You dial up, bring up whatever you want. 
800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Garn. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the site. The features are totally free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Doesn't matter what you buy. It can be new. It can be used. For, uh, they've got dozens of categories. They've got free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items. If you've ever shopped at Amazon before, you probably had a good experience because it's a great site. So just enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and Free Talk Live will get a cut. As we continue with your phone calls about whatever you want, we'll talk to Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Hello, Matt. Evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, you were just talking about global warming, and Garden mentioned that he has a niece in school who has uh, information. And I was wondering, Gard, yeah, what do you suppose would happen if your niece was to come up with an argument such as, well, global warming really wouldn't have that much of an effect on me because I could adapt to the weather. However, the government could have more of an effect on me by, say, taxing me through and taking more of my wealth mm-hmm. through the threat of global warming. Yeah, that's a that's a really nice way to put it, and that's exactly the sort of thing that's happening. You know, we, just as we were going into the music and the commercial break, I mentioned that last year the Supreme Court ruled that carbon dioxide could be considered a pollutant, and uh, now the EPA is working on new regulations for carbon emissions. They're going to come up with this dumb cap-and-trade nonsense, which they're calling a free market alternative, which is absolute crap anything with government involved is not free market yeah yeah it's like uh well you're on the plantation so we've set up a free market solution to how many acres of land you can walk on while you pick cotton you know i mean it's just ridiculous um so uh i think you're i think you're right and one of the key things here though is you know, what, we were talking in the first hour at the very beginning about when Ziggy called up about this uh, politically correct idea that everybody's got to be the same. Nobody can excel more than anybody else and how bad this is in, in schools. And and um, and now you've got the same sort of thing. You know, these people apply this in science. You're talking about how it affects people's thinking. And it's very difficult for kids to realize that there is another alternative source of information out there when you've got teen kids news on ABC talking about global warming and climate yep. change. You've got MTV talking about global warming and global their teachers. War- climate change is a foregone conclusion exactly. in, in, any, in any level of education. However, if you are given that insight, then it cracks open the artifice of the government system and the media that backs it. So my niece has that insight. So she is going to be skeptical of these people from now on. Maybe she will be able to pose a question like that or pose an answer like that Well, and say, well, you know, I don't think this is going to affect me all that much, but here's the alternative that could affect me. I think it's a great idea, and that's the sort of battle she's going to have to engage in. It's a good constructive idea, my friend. And, well, and what they've done, what the schools have done here is they've taken science, which is uh, basically observation forming a hypothesis and then trying to disprove that hypothesis, and social sciences, which is a pseudoscience at best, and they've mixed the two together. And I think that's a, a, a fine way to show that, A, maybe they shouldn't do that. And, B, I don't think that the, the schools are teaching the children how to, how to think for themselves. They're teaching 
the children how to let other people think for them. Absolutely. I, I, just, just to relay a story about that, uh, Julia's brother Chris was here over the weekend, and he's going to be moving into Keene soon, which is great news, of course. Even more people coming here is a, a great great thing. Yep. Uh, but he and was talking smart and insightful, talented kid too. Yes, great yeah, kid. Sure. Uh, and a kid, he's not a kid. He's you know in his twenties. Uh, but anyway, great guy. And he fixes uh, copiers for a living. That's his job. And so he's traveling all over the place and going to various different businesses and government bureaucracies to fix copying machines. And one day he was at a government school, an elementary school of some sort. And he was in the office, of course, fixing the machine, and there was some little boy in there that, I don't know, maybe he was in trouble and waiting to go see the principal or something like that, right? And this young elementary school child had taken an interest in, in what Chris was doing over there, yep. tinkering with the copy machine. What are you machine. doing? Yeah, what's what are name? you doing? What's that? What's that? What's what do you, that do? How do you fix that? You, or, you right, know, you know, just asking a bunch of questions. Asking questions, and the response of the, of course, Chris is answering his questions and, and uh, engaging this young man's interest. And then some bureaucrat comes up to the uh, the conversation and, and essentially shames the child for asking so many questions. Yep. Don't ask him any questions. Wow. Don't don't bother him with your questions. Right. You know, and, and it's it's it, of course it would take somebody um, who you know has become jaded by the uh, you know educational system, government educational system, to want to shut down a child who's asking questions like that. I personally would be, you know, I, I'd have it to me that would be a great part of my day to be able to talk to a kid yeah. about what I'm doing and sure. you know explain it to him, explain some young man what. What what you're doing, but I, I, I can also see how you know you, you as uh, working for the government school system, you would be jaded to those kind of things. But they don't want these uh, kids to ask questions. Right. They don't want them to go out on on a on their own limb and and explore their own world of what they're interested in. What they should be learning is what the government school dictates that they learn, and nothing else. It's a very top down mentality. And when they see any evidence of kids thinking for themselves or exploring their own world, it's dangerous to them. It's dangerous for their authority, and that's one of the things that government schools are all about is uh, conditioning kids for the big boy world where the big government bureaucrats that can hurt you and put you in a jail cell uh, will tell you what to do with your life. Talk about stifling somebody's curiosity, somebody's natural curiosity. That's exactly what they're doing. I think they've gotten past stifling it. Now they suck it out like uh, curiosity (laughs) vampires. Right, we'll tell you what to do. Don't you be interested in that fixing copy machines. We need to give you aptitude tests, and if you pass the the right test, then you might be uh, cut out for fixing copiers. But according to our tests, you're going to be a garbage man, son. You know know what strikes me as interesting is uh, looking at what's going on with my niece. Uh, My niece is being attacked. Those kids are being attacked with falsehoods. Okay, they're being but it's presented misled. from an authority figure, right? right. So, so it's, it's not seen as an attack. Now, I, I'm thinking about uh, I, as the person who would come in to present some alternative information. Uh, I got an email from somebody, and they asked, you know, did your niece present that alternative information that you offered her to give to the to the mm-hmm. teacher? And I said, no, actually, she sort of backed down on that, and she didn't want to you know, raise waves. Yeah. So I said, you know, now it's going to be incumbent on me to go in there, and they're going to be saying, oh, what are you doing? Why, why are you bothering us? And this is my agenda. This is what we're doing. If you want to change it, then go to the meeting, go oh, to the God. school board meeting, go to this. Get elected. Yeah. And, and all I want to do is just say, hey, will you read this and be fair? No, doesn't no, happen in won't. government. No, no way. We've and got we're not in charge of this system. Exactly. <laughs> the government's now, in charge of this system, and we want bigger right. government so we can have more teachers. Because teachers deserve to be paid more than anybody else on the entire planet. And we want summers. We want another month off in summers no. because that's what the union wants, and they yes. want to jam it down your throat, and they want to do it around the world, of course. And then when the kids get out of school, 
so many of the kids have not been presented this other information. Well, of course the EPA should regulate carbon dioxide emissions. We've never heard of the problems of unintended consequences and the costs that will inspire. Not only are they not going to present your perspective, but as you say, pay up. Once they've told you to go screw off and go use the system to change the system, which will take you, you know, decades if <laughs> yeah, you even right. get it to be, if it's even successful, uh, not only are you going to not have your viewpoint presented, but you'll also be forced to subsidize their viewpoint. Because if you say, well, okay, you don't have to teach what I'm asking you to teach, and I don't have to pay for your school system. I'm going to just not cut uh, around here at 60% uh, property taxes is what's going to the government school. So I'm going to cut you a check for 40% of the property tax bill because I don't want to pay for these government schools. They're not teaching what I want them to teach, and I uh, strenuously uh, object object to it. So therefore, I'm not paying, and then three years later, they'll steal your house from you. They'll throw you and your family out of your own home after they've stolen your house out from under you uh, under you because you don't even own it and that's what you'll find out when you decide you don't want to pay for this government indoctrination anymore it sickens me you know and then if uh, once you uh, go in front you know once you get your opportunity to have yourself heard because you've decided not to pay your taxes you go in front of them and say hey look i wanted to you know have a certain say in the government school system which you're forcing me to pay for and well they'll give you a program to help you pay uh, you know to help you with the paying off of your house whether it's uh you know some kind of deferred terms or uh, Mm -hmm. some sort of discount or something like that and if you you know and if you'd refuse that program because you want to be heard inside the school system, well, they'll 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 be able to pat themselves on the back. Well, we gave we did them everything a we could. Yeah, right, we did right. everything we possibly could. I mean, we jammed the education down his children's throat and stealing. stole his money, but we were going to give him a discount. Stealing the house was the last resort. It right. was the last thing we, we could we do. We rolled in the tanks and crushed him and his dog and his family. We did everything we could. Thank and you, Matt. You think I'm out of my mind when I say rolling in the tanks? They've done it. We've read the stories where the cops come in with these armored personnel carriers, and the fact is, they shoot people over property taxes yeah. not paid. If you don't want to leave, yeah, they'll shoot you. Yep. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I hope we get enough people up here someday to where we can just stop paying these goons, and we can be safe about it, because just one person doing it, You're going to get thrown out of your house. Free Talk Live, Hour 3 is coming up. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends at SACL, CAI, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Continuing with your phone calls, that's the point of the show. Let's talk to Steve in South Carolina. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, you're on the air. Thank you. Um, Ian, Gart, and Mark. Hey, it's me. What's on your mind tonight, Steve? Well, a little bit of a retort there. I mean, yeah, Chris was explaining the art of xerography to the kid, which is very cool, by the way. But the school, the copier may have been out of warranty, and the school was paying an hourly rate. 
So, you know, the more time the guy spent there, the more... Yeah, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from on that. What you're referencing is something we talked about last hour where uh, the brother of my girlfriend was uh, telling a story in which he was repairing a copying machine at a government school and a young man was asking questions uh, of a, a, a elementary school student was asking well, questions of him about what he was doing. I can see why that would be uh, important to the uh, office bureaucrat, but the primary role of the, the school and the primary, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the reason that that building exists and the reason those bureaucrats have jobs is to educate children. If a child's being educated and one of those bureaucrats steps in the way of that education, that bureaucrat deserves to lose her job. And plus, it's not hard to multitask. I mean, if you're fixing the machine and the little boy says, Why do you do it? Well, you can still fix the machine as you explain to him, Well, first I'm putting this roller here and we're taking the toner cartridge out. And, the, you know, you can answer the question while you're working. So I see where you're coming from, Steve, but and I it's think not, that, It's not, it, you know, what you what you say does have validity to it. But, but, but no, it doesn't. If you're doing the work while you're answering the question, then it has no validity whatsoever. Uh, so the, you know, the bureaucrat stepping in the way of that kid and saying, stop asking so many questions, stop asking questions of him. Uh, I think it was still pretty outrageous. And besides that, these bureaucrats can afford the copying machine uh, repair anyway. It's not their money. I totally agree. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's the taxpayer's money anyway. Uh, but the thing is, it's like, hey, kid, you'll just learn that when you go to the state technical school after you get out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as an example here, uh, now, since we're still on this topic, I'll bring up another story he told me about his adventures in copying uh, copy repair. He pointed out to me that at a sheriff's department in Maine, where he he's working at the moment, uh, he went into some police department of some sort, and they had... I guess inside these, you know, machines there are different toner carts and things like that and uh, ink whatever it is that they have in there. And when you replace one of these cartridges, they're very specific to the model of copier that you're using because all these copiers are so different, you know, they're they're sure. different sizes and shapes and you know, speeds and all of that. And so Whenever you've, if you've ever replaced something like this, he's he's telling me that it's got notches, like on the, the the bottle or whatever that you're replacing has certain notches on it, to where if you're putting it in the wrong way, you're going to know because it's not going to fit. The notches are not going to line up, right? So uh, it should be pretty obvious to anybody that's doing the replacement, any office staff that's doing the replacement, should be pretty crystal clear that huh, notches aren't fitting, must have the wrong model or whatever. Let's try something. this one. Uh, but he said that apparently what the bureaucrats did, because remember they're government bureaucrats, so they have no incentive to care about taking care of the uh, the office machinery because they know that if they break the copying machine. We'll just buy them a new one. Right. They'll yeah. just call, uh, you know, the copy repairman. He'll come by and fix the problem. So he told me that they'd taken the wrong toner cartridge or whatever it was and shoved it in there. <laughs> they managed to bypass the, no you know, the notch system, essentially, and just forced this thing in there thinking that was going to make it work. And, so, of course, it didn't. It, you know, bled everywhere inside the machine, and he had to go surprise, and surprise, like a bunch, bunch, of, bunch of cavemen. You know, also... <laughs> so don't tell me that that kid can't talk to, to him while he's doing his repair job. These bureaucrats don't give a flip about uh, the machinery in their office. And, and you know, it, to a certain extent, I think there's some social convention that gets involved there, too. Uh, you know, um, there's there's this idea of, oh, don't bother the adults. Mm, you know, yeah. rather than letting know the your kid place, explore... Son. Yeah, Rather than the, exactly, let the kid and the adult explore their own boundaries regarding how much the adult's going to be bothered and how inquisitive the kid is. You know, uh, where I work in my other job, 
Uh, I often encounter kids who are inquisitive about books and things like that. They have it's one a of those, Yeah, they have the, one of those little bells. You know, you people come over, you ring the bell, and a lot of times, you know, the kids will go and ring the bell, and the parents are like, oh, don't do that. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, you know, don't get too upset. Yeah, the bell is there for a reason. Explain to them what the reason is. But then I, I'll, I'll call the kids over and the parents or whatever, and, and you know, for a second, I'll say, hey, did you ever actually look under underneath one of these things? A bell? And, 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 yeah, <laughs> and sort of break break out of the mentality of the stuff is just there. It actually, take a look at it. See how it works. Mm. And then I, I'll, I'll lift it up and I'll show them how it works. And the parents are always like, whoa, what is this? You know. And so to do that, sometimes it's it's not just, you know, the government magnifies these social conventions mm-hmm. oftentimes that bring uh, people down. And that's very interesting because, I mean, the, the bell works with a fulcrum. Yes, exactly. It's a very simple device. Yeah, the kid has no idea what a fulcrum is, but he knows what a seesaw is. So, I mean, yeah, you can relate and they can pick it up real quick. Yep. Yep, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the absolutely point right. point is the global warming thing. Can you name me one constant? What is the one constant that they're going on? Because the global warming is just like trying to find out which horse is going to win the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> there are too many variables. It's just not going to happen. It's a grass track. It's a dry track. It's clay. It's rain. Whatever. I mean, you know, I just... The horse didn't eat enough. How they're going to figure this out? There is just no possible way. And, you know, if you take the absolute value of something, it's always going to be positive. So that's what they use. But, I mean, it's just, it's just like a science experiment in high school. Yeah. I mean, you have something, you form a hypothesis, you experiment, you come up with a conclusion. Uh, it's just, but there's just too many variables. You need one constant. And, you know, I heard Al Gore in the House Energy Subcommittee last week and he never named anything. He named all these hypothetical situations about the ice cap is going to melt in five years. I'm like, dude, let me see the numbers. Let me see uh, what you're talking about and all the variables you're putting in here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy's a clown in a suit. You know, I mean, that's that's all you got. It's just unbelievable. Anybody who deals with intellect at all in any way realizes the guy is just, you know, like a, a walking joke. It's unbelievable. And, and, and what we learned in statistics in college was what is the error – what is the percentage of error? Because if it's plus or minus 3%, you might as well throw it out. Oh, yeah, of error. Yes, absolutely right. Any, any sort of study. And, and I don't know if you do the same sort of thing with any of these polls that they have, but I love these polls with a, a variables of plus or minus 4%. And you just sit there, and, and, and they, po- they put this stuff up there because that itself, if it has the result that the media wants it to have, will drive people's opinions to go in one way or another. You know, Some of these people, the papers are written on the seventh grade level, they have no clue what this plus or minus eight means. And, you know, yeah, well, you know, it, it can go either way. So one could win or the other could win. I mean, it really is telling you nothing. Well, you know, the the, the thing that gets me about this is that uh, there's so much mixed up in this. There's the politicization of science. There's the government schools. There's the government supposedly getting involved in stopping global warming and so on. We were talking off the air about a point that, that we brought up in the past, which is, that if you're if you're going into a tort case for harm, you know the the reason the government's stepping in with the carbon dioxide thing is supposedly that it's it's harming people, but that is not the proper place based on the Constitution and British common law 
for a damage case to be presented. You're supposed to go to a t- uh, you're supposed to present uh, a civil case for a tort. You go to court, the judge decides whether you have standing. Governments don't have standing. So this whole thing is predicated on a completely faulty premise. No one has been hurt and no one can prove that they were hurt. There was no way that they'd be able to take a carbon dioxide case to say that I've been hurt because the temperature might be connected to an increase, which it isn't, uh, over carbon dioxide. Well, didn't the, uh, didn't the Supreme Court just rule last exactly. year? Exactly. Uh, that, that in fact already you can bring these right, damages. Right. So there's, and, and, there's and case those, law saying they, that, that. That's the problem. They present this case law. And they make these precedents that are completely contrary to the very underpinning of damage cases in courts. Well, they completely say, did, I'm destroyed. sorry. Didn't you just say that it's not the role of government and it is the role of the courts? And then now you're saying it's no, not the no, role. No, no. What of I'm court. saying is what I'm saying is that. The the courts themselves, the Supreme Court ruled that carbon dioxide is a pollutant that can be regulated by the EPA. They de- they determined that the federal government can get involved. They didn't determine that people can bring suits. Yeah. That would be up to a local judge or or district court judge or a oh circuit boy. court Don't judge. Don't give them ideas, card. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and 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 but there's no way they could present this. The judges would be basing their decisions on policy, political reasons, not on science. Would they, that be a surprise, though? I mean, oh, there could you go. They? Right. they could, right? You're they right. can do whatever they want. Hey, thanks, Steve, for the call, as I always. Can't. Yes, sir. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's one 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one, and it's Ian here with you, and Guard, and Mark, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free, so enjoy those on us again. Freetalklive.com, and those features include, by the way, I'd like to mention the archives. We've got an entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the site, free for you, at freetalklive.com. Continuing with your calls, Tom is in New Hampshire, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Uh, yeah, good evening. I was just uh, reading the news all over Latin America, one newspaper after another, uh, pictures of people walking around with blue face masks on because of the swine flu that's going around, uh, largely in Mexico and, and some other countries. Okay, I was just thinking, what happens when one part of the bureaucracy says, listen, everybody, you really should, if you're going out anywhere, you really should wear these blue face masks on, on your face, and another part of the bureaucracy doesn't bother to say, except when you walk into a bank. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Has something happened? So, no, I'm, I'm, it's, oh, I mean, okay. it's going to happen. And yeah. some, some people are going to get killed, and I just hope that it's an off-duty cop going into the bank <laughs> to cash their paycheck and <laughs> get killed. Yeah, but seriously, yeah, it, that's it, not helping anything, Tom. Thank airports, you for the call. Airports are, are another good example, actually. Uh, you got the security system. Where you system. don't want to wear a mask, you mean? Well, they, they're going to require you to take pull your mask off so they right. can see your picture with your ID. You know, and, uh, it, it's 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 really just convention. Um, it's just whatever's acceptable at the time. And right now, it is acceptable to walk around with a blue face mask on. You can go into a bank with it on. They may ask you to take it off, in which case you take it off. They in the same in the airport. I mean, nobody's going to draw a gun 
guns on you for wearing a uh, doctor, you know, one of those, those mm-hmm. health masks right now. It's it's just it's acceptable. There may have been a time in this country when it wouldn't have been. And if instead of that face mask, you decided to tie a bandana around there or you used a gas mask, you wouldn't be uh, inside of what social convention is at the time. So, you know, you, you would have to face the consequences of that. Uh, you know, that the nonconformity has consequences. You know, it's interesting that uh, he brings up the cop hatred thing, as he so often does, and I, I understand where he's coming from. I understand the anger at the police. I, I totally get it, because I've, I've been there. However, I don't think it, uh, it is uh, progressing us toward anything. I, I don't think that the, uh, the vitriol, the hatred, the anger, I don't think it's really uh, getting us anywhere. And so I'm taking a different approach when it comes to the police. And yesterday was uh, another example of uh, how that approach is, is I think, I think working. I mean, it's not changing things overnight. But what we did yesterday was, and it wasn't even really planned necessarily, we've been talking recently about a Meet the Activist Day here in Keene. Of course, there's been a lot of news. If you've been listening to the show recently, there, there has been a lot of uh, news about what's been going on here in Keene with liberty activists being arrested in mass. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, of course, our friend Sam is still in a jail cell now on his second week or full second full week that he's been in jail. This is now the beginning of his third week. And so there's been a real crackdown against uh, the liberty activists here. And inevitably, the police are a part of it, right? They're taking the orders. They're following the orders. And, of course, it's not just against activists. It's also orders that are telling them to arrest drug users and other nonviolent, consensual so-called criminals. And so how to change all of this, how to, uh, to, to get to a voluntary society, how to, at the very least, stop the police from enforcing bad laws and, and hurting innocent people. I don't know how exactly. They would say, use the system, change the system, and we'll stop doing these horrible things. So many of them are aware that they're ruining people's lives, yet they continue to do it because, well, frankly, they're afraid that if they stop obeying these bad orders, that they will be fired and they'll lose their paychecks. Likely they will. Yeah, there's a good chance of it. They're certainly frightened about that. And so I've uh, I came up with the idea of uh, meet the activist day, because I think it's important for the police to understand that the activists that they're going to inevitably be arresting more of likely in the future, uh, that these are not dangerous people. They're not people like Tom, who uh, and I know Tom would say he's not dangerous either, but he certainly talks that way. Uh, they're not scary people. They're not uh, killers. They're not going to hunt down the police. They're, that's just not who these people are. They're peaceful, liberty-loving individuals, and they have something intelligent to say on the issue of the police and their role in society. And so my idea was to uh, send out invitations to all the local police officers here in the area and invite them out to one of our weekly uh, Sunday get-togethers, the, the local activists get-together for a social event, just hanging out and you know, getting to know one another yeah. on Sunday afternoons in uh, Keene, New Hampshire. And recently we've had a good 30 people turning out to these, or more, turning out to these events. So it's been very well attended as of uh, as of late. And so my idea was to bring the police in on this and essentially, you know, offer them a free drink or something like that to, uh, to come on out and, and meet some of the activists. And I'd since uh, had an email conversation with uh, one of the lieutenants, Lieutenant Maxfield, here in the area, who we've got some pretty good rapport with. He's a listener of the show. He's read The Market for Liberty. Nice. Uh, so he's, I mean, on the scale of cops, he's one of the ones that's... One of the better ones. I mean, he's still arresting my friends, uh, but he's at least somebody you can talk to and somebody that at least understands some of the things we're talking about uh, with with the whole liberty thing. And so Maxfield and I were, were shooting emails back and forth, and he said that he didn't think it was a good idea to uh, to bring the uh, the free drink concept into this. And he said that he thought that the uh, that the cops would be a little bit intimidated about coming to an event like this. 
because, well, whenever they encounter the activist, somebody's already got, always got a video camera in their hand and they're getting up in their face or, or whatever. And, and he didn't want them to to have that feeling at this event. And that wasn't wasn't my intention in creating the, the Meet the Activist Day event, but I totally understood where he was coming from. And uh, then he points out that he didn't like the drink idea, and this is kind of interesting. He's and I'm reading from his email here. He says that New Hampshire in general and Keene in particular are pretty anal anal about graft. I've gotten into arguments at local restaurants because they wanted to give me a discount because I'm a cop. Believe it or not, the official tune at KPD is we're no better than the average Joe citizen, so we shouldn't get any discounts for anything. Besides being against our policy, it's just not ethical. I went to a job fair down in Massachusetts a few years ago with the chief. We picked up a lunch to go from a McDonald's down there and just about got into a shouting match with the lady behind the counter. She insisted on hitting the damn X percent off button, and we finally just walked out. Who knows? Someday you may try to move your studio into a treehouse in Central Square, and the situation would become uncomfortable. So saying that if I'm buying them drinks, then they'd feel awkward about you know arresting me and it could bring it's and it the could public be, might see it that if they yeah. go leniently on you for some reason uh, they they would say well because we know these guys are not bad guys but they would say no it's because they bought you drinks or something who knows and yeah. so i totally understand where he's coming from and it was interesting to have him add that part about how anti uh freebie stuff they are within the department because down south that never would have happened those cops walk into you know taco bell expecting to get free food oh they were they and, live in apartment complexes and and uh, get free rent for just really? parking their cop car. That's there. crazy. Wow, man. So, so, so I'm pleased. Free rent. That's one of those other things <laughs> that you know sets the New Hampshire and specifically the Keene cops apart from some of the other police departments I've encountered. So credit to where credit where credits due, but they're still arresting my friends, right? So, so all of a sudden yesterday, before we'd ever really even set up the event of the Meet the Activist Day, Maxfield and another one of the police lieutenants uh, comes into Social Sundays. Nice. And I said to him, you know, I said, well, guys, I mean, this is new territory for me because they weren't sure. I mean, do, do you go and you sit down with the activists or do you sit over here and wait till somebody comes over? And I said, how about we sit you over here? And because I don't know, this is new ground for me. Right. I mean, oh, the sure. activists and the uh, the cops all in the same bar. And so I sat him over there and I said, well, I'm going to go talk to the activists and let them know who you are. Trickle going. Yeah. Let them know who you are. Let them know that you're here and we'll see if somebody wants to come talk to you. Well, I guess I'll explain what happened in moments. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You dial toll-free and bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features are free, including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com, and you can edit virtually anything that you see there. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. Dot com. Would you like liberty in your lifetime? Join the Free State Project at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, June 25th through the 28th, for a weekend of freedom and fun. Early bird registration is only 15 bucks. Visit Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, Porkfest.com, and get on board. Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So looking forward to meeting and see, meeting you maybe for the first time or seeing you again 
800-259-9231. So last or uh, yesterday uh, at the Social Sundays event, which is one of the local uh, get-togethers for activists here in the Keene, New Hampshire area, of course, Free State Project is bringing thousands of liberty-minded people all to the same place, and Keene is one of those destinations. And uh, some cops showed up. And it was by invitation. I had uh, thrown the invitation out to uh, Lieutenant Maxfield, one of the lieutenants here in town, and he drug another one of his lieutenants uh, along with him, and they both showed up out of uniform uh, at the, uh, the, 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 the bar that we were at, Vendetta, here in town. And I said to them, you know, I went, I greeted them, and I, I said, guys, uh, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how well this is going to work, but l- l- let's see what happens. This, this is new territory, right? Uh, you know, these, two, these two opposing sides uh, essentially are within the same vicinity of, uh, as one another, and nobody got arrested, uh, which was a good start. And so I sat, they, uh, they sat down at a table, and I went and I started spreading the word about who they were and that they were here, and you know, if anybody wants to go talk to them, there they are. And so then uh, J.J. and I, one of the other activists, uh, went over and sat down, and a couple other guys came over. And by the time, uh, you know, an hour and a half had passed, we'd had a lengthy conversation. Uh, I would say five to seven of the people who were there attending the social event had come over and sat in on the conversation and and thrown their two cents in. And I don't know if if, uh, any conversions were made or anything like that as far as the the police were concerned, necessarily. I I know that uh, Maxfield is already on our side on the war on drugs. Uh, but it was, I think it was generally a positive experience. I mean, they, you know, we talked to them, they talked to us. It was, uh, everything was cordial. Everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves. And I say, uh, I think it was a, a success. Obviously, neither of you were there, so you can't comment personally. But I mean, what do you think? Just hearing what uh, talking, what like really talking good. good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. It's constructive. It's very constructive. It's a it's a hell of a lot more constructive than uh, you know li- you know sticking the middle finger up, yelling pig, uh, yes. being being mean, and uh, and I was critiqued by some of the activists for this. I, obviously, you're not going to make everybody happy with your ideas, uh, but I I feel like if you have communication, you can get further. And that was the intent of this uh, this concept was to bring these guys in here and, and just get them to communicate with these activists. Get let's get to know one another to some extent. At least that way they'll know that these activists are human beings and they're not dangerous. And I think that only good things can come out of it. Seems like you're going to be cutting down on possible animosity. Uh, people understand each other a little bit better, and that can only be a good thing. And if you can win some of these guys over eventually you know they're going to be it's going to be very difficult because their bread and butter comes from uh, doing what they have to do uh, for those jobs but at least when people are processed uh you know there might be a little bit a uh, little bit less misunderstanding yeah. that's nice I, I don't see what i don't see what negatives could come out of this i mean you could say that well they could dig for information and arrest you on something I suppose that's a possibility. Don't tell them about your it's, grow up or whatever, right? Well, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to go into the detail. Don't whip out a joint in front of them and start smoking it. I mean, there are certain <laughs> precautions uh, you'll want to take. Well, that'd be disrespectful the because yeah. they don't want that kind of trouble either. No, they don't. And then to jam something like that in yeah. their face is not respectful of uh, you know the overtures that they've made. Mm. Sure. So I think it's a step in the right direction, and I hope to see more of it happening. And and where else is this happening? Where are where else within this liberty movement are bridges b- being built uh, between the the two sides, between the government enforcers, who are they? It's it's frustrating talking to them, right? Because they're such nice guys, right? Yeah. They're so they're such friendly gentlemen. Uh, it's just that when they're doing their job, they're hurting people. And and when I say hurting, I don't mean physically necessarily, but I mean you're ruining lives when you're arresting people for the drug war, for instance. 
you're in your job, you're doing things that I consider unconstitutional. I think that are obviously a violation of, of your own rules, but it's not necessarily their job to do it, to do that interpretation, though they could. They could make a stand and say, well, I don't think this is constitutional, so I'm not going to enforce this. Nice but they're afraid. They're scared to do that. So they're scared of their own system. They're scared to bring their own beliefs into their into their system. And, well, they and see their own system every day. Wouldn't you be scared of it? I mean, I'm, I'm scared of it sitting out here. I well, don't blame you know, them. You know, also, I think uh, in getting in touch with these guys, you know how it is? Even good guys, when they're within a closed circle... And they have other people who they have to go handle for their job or whatever can see those other people as the potential adversary. And so yeah. they're not going to be as happy around them or whatever. So um, this lets these guys know that, hey, you guys are here for the long term. You're not yeah. fly-by-night coming in just to cause problems. Yeah. You're their neighbors. You're going to be here, and uh, and now they know you a little better. And, and so they're not closed off to you. And That's, I think that word's going to get around the department because Maxfield is the, one of the lieutenants we've kind of been in with, has known about us for a while, and has been in kind of following us, and again listening to the show and all that. Yeah. Uh, and so he's had positive things to say, obviously. And so maybe him bringing the other lieutenant in, who initially he hadn't planned on coming out, but Maxfield managed to drag him out. He had to leave at six o'clock, but he he st- stayed there for an hour and a half, talked to us, and seemed to be enjoying himself. He even stayed a little past six uh, to keep talking with us. So I. You know, I didn't see anything wrong with this. I thought it was, a, I thought it went well, and I hope that we can get some more of them in. I hope that some more of them will have the courage, because it's going to take courage. I wouldn't want to walk into, a, I'd feel uncomfortable walking into a bar full of cops. I mean, so it's kind of the reverse for them. Yeah. They're walking into a bar full of uh, of activists, many of whom probably are armed with a video camera somewhere. Uh, but it, it wasn't intended to be an ambush, and it wasn't. It ended up being a nice, cordial conversation between us and them. And hopefully we can start breaking down some barriers and they can become become more understanding of what liberty is, even if they don't ever do anything about it. Even if they don't ever, you know, make a stand or join law enforcement against prohibition publicly or uh, or whatever. And there was some talk about law enforcement against prohibition and uh, Maxfield has nothing but good things to say about it. Whether he's joined it or not, I, I can't reveal because he can't reveal that. But it's got to be tough th- to be these guys in that position. They want to do what they believe is the right thing. Unfortunately, following the law, no matter what the law says, is not the right thing. And I hope that someday we can get them to, to come to understand that and stop doing those things. But it's, you know, it's hard to say. You know, I was thinking about uh, things like gun control laws in areas where they have much uh, much more stringent gun control laws. Um, and you think, in those areas, the police must feel an even heavier burden and an even greater responsibility, whether it's self-imposed due to ego or, or it's because they really truly feel this, to be the protectors of the community, to, to be out there mm-hmm. fighting the crime. We're the only guys between you job. and the bad guys. This is our job. Because people are incapable of protecting themselves the way they can in places like New Hampshire and Arizona and Nevada and places like that. So you say to yourself, like, in Boston, those, you know, the local community cops, the Irish cop and Southie or whatever, those guys, yeah, a lot of them are corrupt, I'm sure. Uh, a lot of those guys, though, they feel real strong about protecting their community. They grew up in that community. You know, they've seen their, their friends die. And those emotions are really hard to overcome. And uh, and it, it increases when they're the only line of defense between you guys and, you know, between the supposed civilian and the bad guy. Because the government itself, the government they're supposedly you know, working for, uh, pits these guys as the only defense and, and the civilians can't defend themselves. It's a very strange phenomenon. It's weird the way that works.
Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So we'll keep doing stuff like this here. Yeah. You know, we'll it's keep... a good idea. Um, you know, they, they, I think... I, I think, think it's that, innovative almost, I, I mean, as far as the activism mis- is concerned. mistake-type things that have been made, maybe this wouldn't have been possible, um, uh, you know, let's call it misstep rather than mistakes. Um, one of the, this wouldn't, probably wouldn't have been possible without some of these missteps is like the sort of combativeness that has been, um, you know, combative sounds physical, but this sort of aggressiveness, I don't know, I'm not using the right terms, between, you know, free staters and the establishment um, here in Keene, and I, I think that uh, this will help with that. Toll-free 800-259-9231. More flies with honey, right? That kind of an approach. I think yep. the more of that we can have, I think the better. We don't want to be seen as dangerous. We don't want to be seen as uh, as violent or anything like that because we're not. That's not where this is a peaceful evolution. And I want to make sure that's clear to those men who will be doing the enforcing. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call. If you make it now, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Now, if you like the show and you want to help out Free Talk Live, then learn how to promote us. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll get a whole list of things that you can do to help get this show to more ears around the world. Promote.freetalklive.com. Dot com as we continue with your phone calls, and we'll talk to Jeff in Florida on the amp line. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Hey, great. What's on your mind, Jeff? Hey, uh, you guys were talking about uh, unions recently. I wanted to call and give you my union experience. Okay. By all means. Uh, it was about four years ago. Uh, I was working a uh, crappy retail job, so I uh, decided to get a job on a cruise ship. Hmm. And I'm not going to say the name of the company, but... Uh, the uh, it's it was the first cruise line in a couple of decades to be American flagged, and uh, U.S. law said that they had to uh, everybody had to be a union on there because of the U.S. flagship. Oh boy, so, are they still in uh, business? Since it was the first cruise ship. There weren't any unions that had anything for uh, uh, hotel type jobs on a ship, so they created one. <laughs> And uh, everybody that joined there had to be a member of the union. So I, uh, I didn't know about this. So they, I, they gave me a, a plane ticket to go off to their training camp, and I get there, and then they're like, you know, this is you got to be a member of this union. Uh, if you quit from this point on, you're just gonna have to find your own way home. So I was just kind of stuck with it. So uh, I worked there for about a year, and the union did absolutely nothing. But I had to give them about thirty dollars every week. All of us had to. Hmm. And uh, every Sunday, the union rep would come on the ship to deal with any problems, which they actually didn't do anything. Uh, for instance, one of the guys I worked with didn't have power in his cabin for about a month. And uh, every about once a week, he would get written up for being late. And uh, so I said, well, let's go talk to the union rep. We go talk to the union rep. And they said, well, that's ship life. Well, that what? That's ship life. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and But because of this, I actually got to do some activism while I was on the ship. Um, they started to uh, do this thing where they started telling all the guests to come on, uh, not to tip anybody. The company was, mm. and uh, so instead of doing that, what they would do is they would charge all the guests ten dollars per person per day, and then they would take all that money and then uh, give it to everybody that has a, a tipping type job on the ship, like waiters and stuff like that. I see. House boys actually take on what's that? Cabin boys. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, I, I you mean, mean a maid? Like a maid? Well, yeah, like, ma- like maids. Room- yeah. I did room service on the ship. So uh, instead of getting tips anymore, 
they would give me uh, 7% of whatever I would make. Hourly. Right, so no matter how uh, good a job you did cleaning the room, you still got paid the same amount. Right, and it was not at all as much as when I was actually getting tips. But the thing mm -hmm. is, like just on our ship, there were three ships total. But just on my ship, every week the company would take in about $155,000 uh, and give back $35,000 to the workers. Oh, so they weren't so, even distributing the full uh, $10? No, right. They so did the union all. help you with that, too? Oh, no. no. <laughs> I mean, the, the union workers got their paychecks from the company. Yeah. So it's, the union it's, wasn't it's able to step in and demand that they, uh, that they give you every single penny of that $10. They, they were of no use. Reason that the union was created by the company because the government said that they had to have a union, so they see. had absolutely no incentive <laughs> to even help us out. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, but interesting story. Because of this, I got to go and make. I made a bunch of pamphlets like my last couple of weeks there and gave it out to everybody that I knew with all this information about all the money that they were keeping. Well done, sir. Any other thoughts for us tonight, Jeff? <laughs> no, you guys have a good day. Thanks for the call, Thanks, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You know, we were talking earlier about the, the, the mentality that so many Americans have, and it's unfortunate, but they have this mentality that government's going to keep them safe, whether it's from the swine flu or whether it's from hurricanes or terrorists. It's the government's going to keep you safe. And, of course, it's reinforced, as you were pointing out, Gardner, by the media, which, of course, always parrots whatever it is the government says. And the government, you know, President Bush or Obama or whoever it is, is constantly saying things like, it's my job as president to keep America safe, which, of course, isn't actually the, the job of the president. But nonetheless, they say it, so people believe it. You know, the first rule of propaganda is you just say it, say it over, over and over and over, and over right. again. Yeah. And people will believe you. So people believe that it's the government's job to keep them safe from things. Well, apparently something happened in New York City today that uh, was all the government's fault and actually struck terror into the hearts of New Yorkers, who apparently are fairly easy, easily scared uh, by things like this. Well, but, they have the government telling them um, now, at this point, that there's no planes allowed over uh, New York. Yeah, so I didn't even know scared. that. I, I just learned that tonight, that uh, you can't even fly a plane in New York City, apparently, these right. days, except if you're the government. And that's what happened today from the New York Post. A jumbo jet being chased by an F-16 fighter, or by F-16 fighter jets... Buzz Lower Manhattan this morning, panicking New Yorkers, many of whom were forced to evacuate their office buildings. Uh, there were other stories where people were running through the streets, screaming. Unbelievable. It was not a terrorist attack, however, but a photo opportunity for Air Force One. It's insane. Absolutely crazy. President Obama was in Washington at the time, but the low-flying 747 circling the Statue of Liberty was one of the planes used as Air Force One, sources said. The NYPD and the city were notified of the planned flight, but they didn't bother sharing any of that information with Mayor Bloomberg or other New Yorkers, many of whom said they were terrified. Hours after the incident, a furious Bloomberg called the photo op insensitive. And then he goes on to blather about how upset he was. <laughs> he said the federal officials notified the NYPD and another city official of the flight plan. And uh, one of the people who works with a mercantile exchange thought the worst as he saw the jets hurtle toward his window just after 10.30 in the morning after learning it was all a photo op, he was furious. He says it's so stupid because they tell you about every fire drill, but they didn't tell us about this, he said. 
The planes flew over uh, various different places, circled back towards Staten Island. Thousands flooded the streets downtown as buildings called for evacuations. One announcement at the embassy suites downtown said, There is a situation outside. We don't have any further information. After hearing it was all planned, many of those in the streets complained that New Yorkers should have been warned. But <laughs> too bad you Incredible. weren't, and they don't care, you know, whether they're going to warn you or not. So they'll do whatever breaking, they want. They're breaking their own rules. Right. The, the, expecta- the expectation the government's built is that there will be no airplanes. So therefore, when someone sees an airplane, it seems like an emergency. Okay, if that makes sense. If they didn't build the expectation that there wouldn't be airplanes, then perhaps for a few days after 9-11 or a few weeks, depending on how, or, or you know, in some people's cases, years, and they would have to move away from the city um, and out to some place where airplanes don't fly over, you know, they, they, they would then be scared, but they'd get over it because air, airplanes <laughs> fly by places all the time. And I suppose if you've got an airplane flying in an area where there's normally no airplanes and it's being chased by a military jet, that might do something to Even stir people so, up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and you, you think about uh, drawing it into the swine thing that we were discussing earlier. Uh, you've got the government in this instance, breaking its own rules regarding the the no no flights over that airspace of New York. Okay, yeah, f- freaks people out. Uh, then they set up these rules. Well, you know, we're the ones who are going to control uh, how much Tamiflu is going to be on the market because we're going to buy out 12 million uh, doses of it, and then we're going to release it when we want to, which causes Tamiflu prices to go up. Uh, they're the ones who license the people who make other flu vaccines. They don't allow private insurance companies to do this based on our demand. And yet, uh, these are also the same guys who allow a bunch of guys in Tuskegee to continue having to suffer from syphilis as an experiment. Was that, uh, when was that? Oh, man, what was that, in the early 60s, late 50s, Tuskegee syphilis experiments? I've and, heard of the Tuskegee Airmen, but I don't know if I've heard of the Tuskegee yeah. Oh, the, the, the Tuskegee Airmen versus the, uh, has nothing to do with the Tuskegee experiments. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the Tuskegee experiments, apparently, some uh, black men were allowed to uh, take was it syph- w- w- continue to have syphilis, and yeah. they'd see what, what would happen to what them. What would oh, happen to them? Yeah, I mean, it destroyed these guys. You know, so, yeah. so it's just incredible that... No, no, you're fine, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, and and, you know, and it took, like decades before they got any sort of redress and a lot of the guys were dead by that time uh so you've got you got these these double standards of the government to say well you know we're going to protect you but we'll break the rules here we're going to protect you but we'll break the rules here of course we can do that right. it's it's and the people same will be thing. outraged they're outraged they're frightened they're yelling they're screaming they're running out of buildings they find out that it was all a uh, a, a test or a photo op in this case uh, and they're upset about it, but there's nothing you can do. You got to keep paying the man, and even if the man scares the crap out of you, you've still got to pay. So the Mayor Bloomberg can be as upset as he wants about this. Nobody's, none of, no amount of outrage is going to change that the federal government will get away with whatever it wants to get away with. Well, it can do whatever outrageous things it wants to do, and right. no one will will say boo about it besides just complaining. They're not going to quit paying taxes. If you're that outraged at what the federal government does, I mean, sure, they're flying planes over your, your buildings, let alone, you know, not even talking about the people they're murdering and killing in other countries. I mean, that that's pretty outrageous, too. Uh, but what's anybody going to do about it? You can All you can do is complain, because uh, they don't care what you have to say. And they'll fly their airplanes wherever they damn well please. Anyway, it's been Ian here with you. And Garn. And Mark. We will see you tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.
These are challenging times. Inflation, job security, political and financial uncertainty affect us all. Now more than ever, it's important to review your life insurance needs should something happen to you. Experts agree. Most families should have life insurance protection of 10 times their income. The great news is life insurance rates have never been this low. When you call Termco, Gil Edwards will tell you how affordable term life insurance can be. Gil specializes in saving people money on top-rated term life insurance. Find out if you're paying too much or if you don't have enough. Ask about the new return of premium plans, which return your entire premium back to you after 20 or 30 years, tax-free, guaranteed. Your family's protected either way. Get the best coverage with Termco at the lowest possible rate. Call Termco for a free no-obligation quote. Call 800-493-7712. 800-493-7712. That's 800-493-7712.